Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer Dave Stockbridge. So join Izzy, Dave, and Matt as we talk about the world of combat sports on this episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. Uh, welcome to another episode in our last for the year to the Daily Combat Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, my name's Dave Stockbridge, and joining me as always, and as a matter of fact, even here when I am not, is Matt Hollywood Connolly. That's right. um, so, uh, Matt, massive year. This is um, our end of year wrap up. You know, it's been a, our big, well, our first full year yeah. um, on, on the podcast. So, uh, which is, uh, it's been action packed. It's been a lot more than what I ever expected it to be. <laughs> the, the, the quality of guests has been outstanding, Absolutely. if not indeed the hosts. But, you oh, know, well, the, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, the, the winner of the Dave Stockbridge of the Year Award is here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, 12th year running. running. <laughs> There was a time when I wasn't even the best at that. Uh, Absolutely. So, <laughs> I'm going to grab a drink just quickly because... Um, yeah, that's fine. Well, oh, that's fine. I, I mean, with this podcast, uh, the fun thing was that when you first asked me, hey, you want to do this podcast thing? And I was like, yeah, sure, okay. And you said, okay. And then we didn't talk about it for about three months. And then, <laughs> then is, that, the, is that how you remember it? Yeah. And then uh, the next time you brought it up, you were like... Um, oh, you remember that podcast thing? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And you said, oh, do you want to just come in to my office on Thursday? I'm like, yeah, no worries. And I'm expecting that it's literally like I'm going to turn up. You're going to be in your office, and you're going to have you're going to press record on a phone. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And we're going to talk about something for about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I turn up. We're in a full studio. <laughs> It's decked out. There's 18 cameras. Did you feel like you were going to be pranked? This was a that prank was awesome. or something? I had no idea. It was like top 100. You know, and now things have gotten like the production quality is just like... going worse and worse. We're getting less and less guests. But, but, <laughs> but I mean, this is... Uh, I mean, down, downstairs. So we, we are still in the same building as where we started off in those mm. early episodes. And those early episodes do look gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I love the, uh, the overall of that and uh, that's thanks to Rory at the pod booth who has a wonderful professional podcasting setup and Mm -hmm. I would recommend to anybody that's thinking about starting a podcast or is just curious and maybe not quite ready to make the overall investment in their own space and equipment um, definitely have a chat to Rory even if maybe you've just got a series idea or something you know he's a great person to speak Mm -hmm. to so chat to Rory at the the pod booth but it also what Rory afforded us was the opportunity to see whether what we were doing was any good right. and, and whether there was any and whether we wanted to continue doing yeah. it too. So um, those early episodes, um, I, w- I was really surprised at how naturally they, they flowed, you mm. know, because um, outside of arm wrestling, like we don't know each other particularly well, didn't know each other particularly well hate, at that Hate stage. each other outside of arm Outside of arm wrestling, <laughs> there's a great rivalry. <laughs> <and> Mortal enemies. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why we're across from the table and it's these red lines. was it here. If it, this is the demilitarised zone, <laughs> <laughs> you've got Tito on your side. That's right. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and and Izzy, because and, yeah. Izzy was a bit of a, a ring-in as well, you know. Um, I, I'd, uh, I was really curious about what Izzy had been doing on social media because she literally posts like she's got a million followers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was really surprised because um, that she didn't have more of a followership because uh, of 
all the things that she's done. She's quite, yeah. quite the polymath and, and uh, like major uh, milestone achievements that and anybody would be proud of if they achieved one of them. I mean, mm. she achieved one of those last week, which was just going for a run <laughs> with a backpack on for 70 kilometres in the yeah. day. For and, and I think New Year's Eve, her ambition is to do 100Ks yeah, as well. Absolutely. Um, no, so, it's only going to be 40 degrees, but, you know. <laughs> and in the meantime, she's been on a, a reality TV program. She's gone boxing training in, in New Zealand yeah. and... and uh, I've done more miles than the Laban brothers, and and just a, just an extraordinary young woman, and uh, and what an amazing find, you know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and and a great talent behind the microphone as well. So uh, unfortunately, she's not feeling the best and mm. is unable to be here today uh, for this wrap up. But mm. um, uh, she's um, uh, turned out to be an amazing talent and and a fantastic person yeah. uh, to have around as well. The funny thing is, uh, every time we would talk about a topic, or she would sort of she would reveal this thing like this amazing <laughs> event that she's done. So how? Oh, so when I was at many school I was like hey, what you what huh I was like yeah so when I was at the, the Olympic canoeing team uh, okay how, how, how are you 21 you know like, <laughs> when I was a boxer was the, when I was the, the Harvard this, School of Music yeah. yes was that one yeah, yeah that was another one yeah, yeah. released an album for hip hop and uh, all sorts of things it's just and so many things and now she's boxing and now she's doing like these crazy uh, extreme endurance, endurance runs events uh, yeah mango farming I don't know <laughs> She was shooting something with sharks a few weeks ago, and I don't know. There's, there's all these things that it's sort shooting, of like, shooting the, yeah. the other day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just amazing. Right. <laughs> She's an action. She is a real life action woman. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, it's so funny because you know, as you're talking to somebody, if you were, if you didn't know that these things were legitimate, <laughs> you would think this person was just completely lying about if, everything. If you met her, but she wasn't her. She was a dude, and it was at the pub, right. and you heard all of this in one conversation. <laughs> sure, yeah, <Yes. laughs> we've all met people like that. Absolutely, but, but it, it, you're right. It kind of gets revealed to you, uh, kind of drip fed this mm. information. Yeah, you know, so incrementally <laughs> you're led to believe. I don't know what to believe now. She's <laughs> a Russian everything. spy. I mean, yeah. if, if that came out, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be it probably wouldn't. Surprise, yeah. It wouldn't be at all surprising. Yeah, well, Anything. Yeah, of course, of course. The signs are obvious now. Now that you've said it, oh, it all makes sense. Oh, no, but yeah, absolutely. And then getting on the show, and it was like we were having these amazing guests and these awesome conversations, and just to be part of it. Uh, you know, for me, it was like, wow, this is this is an incredible thing. Like, uh, you know, and it sort of has amalgamated and progressed, and now we're doing it in our own studio, our own setup. And yeah, we've had lots of amazing people on and just incredible conversations. And uh, like with you know Carlos Mayer and oh, hearing about that uh, corruption yeah. story. Get little list up, yeah. yeah. Um, because um, I, you know, I thought it was worth just uh, going through each each kind of um, our very first episode with uh, with uh, Jordan Jordan uh, Stevens, yeah. Biggie Stevens, um, just a, an amazing uh, young. Uh, y- so young. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's once again one of these amazingly accomplished athletes that's kind of feeling like they're at the tail end of their career and then you speak to them, they're 31. Yeah. It, yeah it's like, <laughs> hey, retired. And retired. Now it's like, you're younger than me by 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> More than that for some. So yeah. it's just, just absolutely amazing. But a, a real interesting um, a tale about, you know, the, the uh, that, that careful balance where sport and entertainment meet and, uh, you know, uh, and what that means for perhaps those those athletes that dedicate so much of their lives to it. And, mm-hmm. and also so, um, a really interesting, uh, well, I think a, a topic that came up several occasions, especially when we were talking about um, Uberim, 
vitamin S. Vitamin S. Vitamin S. And uh, in that field of strongman, you know, vitamin S is a big thing. And Jordan uh, was not partaking yeah. in, in, in the booster shots. And uh, and as a result, um, you know, uh, was still representing Australia beautifully yeah. and, and was really amongst the, the best of them. But, uh, you know, it fell outside of the cut on a couple of occasions and uh, kind of realised that, you know, without the, the booster shots, mm-hmm. it's always going to be a difficult a place to be at the top yeah, exactly yeah. but the fun thing is that he regardless as to not being able to be like you know number one in the world or world champion or the strongest man in the world he was still able to create a career in that industry yeah. and it's like he's presenting awards I mean he was working with Arnold Schwarzenegger I'm so yeah. jealous <laughs> <laughs> we went over to the Arnold Expo in Melbourne and uh, uh, Biggie was running the strongman side of it and was commentating. He was doing the live, um, you know, calling out what was going on during the event. Yeah, and you know, on stage with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. Like, oh my God, I wanted to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why Jordan was here, so you could be close to him. Uh, yeah. So you're now only one degree of separation from Arnold exactly. Schwarzenegger. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're edging closer. I am getting there. Eventually. <laughs> I've been in the same room as Arnold. And that, uh, have you, know, you really? You, so you, you breathe the same air. Yeah, you, you're a close contact. It's basically, basically, like we're best friends now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Close contact. He was way. He was on a stage. I was in a seat at the back. Shared oxygen. So, uh, so yeah, Jordan was a fantastic guest, and, and and made it really easy for us in our first episode as well. You know, the the conversation was really free flowing, and mm. and for um, all of us to be you know in the room uh, for the first time together with microphones in front yeah. of us, it was. Um, it, I think. For me, that kind of was some kind of thing. Like we're onto something. Yeah, you know, this is yeah, this is going to go somewhere, and so, um, and it went on to episode number two. Um, Greg, Greg Hearn. Yeah. So uh, so Greg, um, Greg's got uh, some fantastic stories, and uh, is uh, one of the uh, figures behind Diamondback Fighting Championship, uh, which is um, uh, well in our humble opinion, the best uh, MMA promotion in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only that, but, he, you know, he'd, uh, he'd shared the uh, the cage with uh, uh, for a title fight mm-hmm. um, and uh, had stories to tell about his late coming to yeah. uh, MMA, um, not having stepped in a ring or an octagon until nearly 30 years of age yeah. and uh, just snuck in for his 30th. And uh, and so uh, once again, you know, uh, it, it came a, a different story there where he's kind of coming to the sport at a time when a lot of people are retiring yeah. and then enjoying a career through his 30s and, you know, who knows where the next fight or two exactly. might take him. That's right. And uh, his story about, you know, cutting down from heavyweight to light mm. heavyweight, finding success there and then maybe, you know, taking another fight at that weight class as well or so. Yeah, uh, yeah, a really interesting story, and to be able to hear from you know a fighter that has gone through adversity, and and you know his record, I think is is about even at the moment. I think he's done a six and six or something like that. But um, you know, having having those ups and downs in a career where it's like you know if you if you come into the cage and you lose, it's like having that all that build up to, to to have such a drop and then having to get back into it and then finding the reasons behind why you're doing this like what what's the purpose behind it i remember one of the stories he was was explaining about um just before going into a uh, fight his opponent and i think it was his first fight he had and he you know liked the guy and and he was thinking like you know take 15 minutes before the fight like what are we doing like why are we getting in there and fighting this is getting silly we shouldn't be doing this <laughs> I guess it would just be that wave of different thoughts and emotions and feelings of like, and, and, you know, the adrenaline and Mm. 
because you're about to go into combat, like literally combat. You don't know what's going to happen, whether you're going to win or lose or whether you're going to be safe or if you're going to get hurt or, yeah. you know, all those thoughts and feelings would just be firing through. And it's like, you know, when they make that call and they say, okay, you're up next. And you're like, oh, my God. But it, what I loved about Greg's story is that he's somebody who's, Always testing himself. Yeah, you know it's a there's a, and there's there's no loss in that. You know he, he you know to come to the sport as late as he did and persist regardless and and take on fights that that sh- he, perhaps he shouldn't have early on. Like he really threw himself into the into the deep end there. But uh, uh, but to have come out of that now and taken that uh, whole ethic and and applied it to. Uh, DFC and the promotion and uh, between him and Craig they're doing amazing things yep. which I, I know 2022 is going to be a huge year for both of them individually and mm-hmm. for, for DFC as well. Yeah, we'll have to get Craig in at some time. Yeah, he's, he's been elusive. He? Uh, I like he. Uh, we, we're washing his hair. Lo- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the um, where are we here? Episode um, three. Episode three. Is it Carlos uh, Meyer. Well, uh, oh, okay. So I think he, he was our third guest. We got to episode three here where we're talking a lot of arm wrestling. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. So, um, uh, but uh, all things arm wrestling, boxing, <laughs> and arm wrestling. I think that's just us talking about stuff that we like to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and, well, uh, then was it Carlos or Carly? Oh, Carly, Carly yeah. maybe Carly Gangel. Yeah, I think it was Carly. Awesome. So uh, Carly was such a great guest, and 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 again, you know, such so accomplished, um, but across various disciplines, um, uh, with with her fighting, having been a, a world champion, um, with running her the school and and the the gym and everything that they're doing there, mm-hmm. as well as that community that they're cultivating just in and around that, which is just amazing. But then running these amazing events yeah. as well, which yeah. uh, we were very fortunate to be a part of uh, there with the Pride Fight Series. Um, and, you know, all from a, a, a young woman, 21, 22 years yeah. old, just an absolutely amazing talent um, and uh, and a wonderful person to mm-hmm. talk to as well. And uh, uh, so... Uh, Carly had some wonderful insights around the difficulties, especially for young women with the the dieting and uh, the um, the weight cuts, uh, more so than the dieting, but the weight cuts yeah. um, in preparation for fights and and how detrimental that can be, uh, espe- well for anybody, but especially for for young wi- young women yeah. um, who um, and and she talked about um, you know what she went through and. And also the difficulties that she uh, she found with social media mm. um, being on the the negative side of uh, some uh, some pretty horrific um, social media harassment. Yeah. And for somebody who uh, is such a nice person yeah. and is so um, driven by her sense of community and and beloved by all those people around her, it was a real shock to mm. hear that, and, and probably understandable that that's been something that was. Uh, really difficult for her to overcome yeah absolutely yeah it's sort of you know all the the uh values of martial arts that you can Mm. see are instilled in in what she does and you know with the pride fight series and they've got you know the very traditional style of the muay thai where they 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 play the music and they do the ceremony before every event and they bless the ring and you can see that that is very important to her to to maintain that tradition to maintain that respect and respect for your opponent and she had carried that throughout her fighting career mm. um you know respect for the opponents you could see that she always didn't want to injure them she was you know seeing it as this is a competition uh and then to have the opposite 
effect where somebody is uh, or a group of people are not following that and they're just purely hating on on her through you know the means of sending horrible messages or just nasty comments and you know in in the in the most cowardice way possible where it's just get a phone and and write something horrible and then yeah. and it's out there as opposed to actually going to somebody and saying it to their face which would actually require a bit of courage and that these people are not doing that whatsoever so yeah. uh yeah and, and often you know you'll find that there's a big beef before a fight but then after the fight you know that each side settles down and there's mutual respect there and there's almost like a it's almost anticipated these days that there it, you know even if there isn't something genuine there there might be something fabricated especially with a big fight mm-hmm. um but this uh, the, what seemed unusual about all of this is that it all kicked up post fight and yeah. um and I think that's perhaps what made it all the harder to deal with because there was no big fight to get it all over and done with right. it was just like the fight kind of boiled over yeah. and um, there was no appropriate way of uh, remedying that and, mm. and addressing any of that. Yeah. Um, it couldn't be handled in the ring um, and now it's kind of out there not being handled at all. Mm. And yeah, it, that, that was um, quite troubling to hear those those concerns and, and, and perhaps brought a perspective uh, from a young fighter um, in this day and age with social media where... You know, a lot of the big fights are, you know, had on social media. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, and we're a lot of the, I guess, the theme for this year, a lot of the, um, even those people that are in the ring are from social yeah. media these yeah. days. And I, I believe you're, you're leading towards Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley there. That's one of the features <laughs> of this year, isn't it? There is, uh, is the rise of the social media uh, prize fighter, yeah, um, and uh, and and it's been thoroughly entertaining. I've enjoyed yeah, every second absolutely. of it. <laughs> I, I love watching fights. I don't care if it's two guys who've never fought before. If they if they have a story and both of them hate each other and they're going to fight each other, I'm going to watch it. Well, this is one of the things that you emphasise with uh, what you've been doing with the Titans Arm Wrestling yeah. Club, uh, where uh, it, it's you know giving people a brand or a nickname or a character yeah. um, that makes it those people easy to remember. Yeah. Uh, create some storylines in behind that so people become vested in those characters and then uh, give those characters uh, a, a, a stage yeah. um, for people to kind of um, uh, to observe and, and to become enthralled with and uh, that's been a big part of what you've been doing in that <laughs> little world yeah. over recent times. Exactly, that's right and it just comes from you know the years of as uh, an adolescent and watching you know wrestling or you know with the UFC when it started and you know the finest have a nickname and they've got these certain personalities and they were able to sort of hype that up to create drama and it's like that is what is uh, very clever marketing strategies to to build these characters and build a narrative and and have a storyline going into an event you know, when you're an audience member that's watching, it's like, why, why would I want to watch this? And it's like, well, here, oh, this guy here hates this dude because of that. And then he's, he's got these skill sets and he's got these. And, you know, can can he implement that game plan? And will he be able to stop him from doing that? And his special move is this and he's going to do that. And it's like, oh, well, now I, I, I it's very simple. It's very easy to understand. Um, and it's like, okay, well, I can understand that. And then if I'm watching it, I, I know I may not know all of the nuances uh, of the grappling or the you know the footwork or all the all the rest of that goes with it, the in depth mm. knowledge. But on the surface level, as a casual fan, you can see it, and then you have an understanding of, oh yeah, th- this is when 
that he that's his thing like he, yeah. he wants to keep it standing though they, they said that in the build-up you know yeah yeah so you yep. can understand that and so trying to build that narrative when you know even with it's a local arm wrestling club and yeah. you know people a don't know anything about arm wrestling b they're like i don't know what what this is what the rules are how it works <laughs> uh, who these people are yeah so let's make it easy for them to know who everyone is make a nickname something to do with their characteristic their style viking or you know kratos or, or whatever and it's like okay well that's easy to remember and yeah. you know when you're watching it and you're watching it on YouTube and it's like oh yeah, yeah that, that's that guy that's the Viking guy you know yeah, or that's yeah. that's Berserker or yeah. um, and it's just easy for people to remember that as opposed to Tim or you know Lass or Dave or Johnny or whoever yeah um, so that that was sort of the theme of what I was trying to do with the club there is like let's create these characters and have it as you know, uh, a little bit of a like an, a tribute to the old wrestling you know, <laughs> Hulk Hogan, and uh, the Undertaker. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We still need to get. There's a little bit of we, we need <laughs> Undertaker, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it, it's uh, but it, 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 I think what that does, it, it speaks to the fact that um, sport isn't anything without entertainment. Yes, and and uh, and, and with all due respect um, to those sports. Uh, that that are, are fantastic sports that n- m- might not get the attention that they deserve. It's simply because of marketing, yep. and uh, and a big part of marketing is creating a story. Yeah, and uh, if you don't know the story, and I think what we've done on this podcast this year is perhaps shine a light on the stories of some of these um, people mm-hmm. who uh, like like Carly, um, mm. who have achieved so much at such a young age. Um, and um, But also just to prove that not, none of that came easily and, and all of that came with uh, some degree of s- sacrifice and, and definitely with a, a, a whole heap of hard work. And that, that was a, a common theme for this year. Mm. And, and one of the more intriguing stories of this year from my mind was uh, Carlos Mayer-Koch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Carlos um, uh, is an elite uh, a karate a practitioner and uh, he had the one and only opportunity uh, to be to uh, represent um, his country in karate mm-hmm. uh, because uh, for those that aren't familiar karate is not always an Olympic sport mm-hmm. um, but because the most recent Olympics was held in Japan Japan got to choose one of their sports and yep. so it's a little bit like Australia picking Picking AFL, Tickly Links. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, they went. Okay, we're going to go with karate. And um, so Carlos was um, in a. Uh, he was preparing with the Australian side and had done everything that he could in order to uh, put himself in a position to represent Australia. Did all of those things, only to be told that uh, his. Uh, residency status or his um, citizenship status, even though he was going to be a citizen by the Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, because he'd qualified uh, whilst not being a citizen, um, even though he was representing Australia at all of these things, and were none of that was going to count. Yeah. So he received an offer to go to Mexico, mm-hmm. and his his family are highly regarded in Mexico, um, is, uh, his family are now here in Australia, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a win for Australia, mm-hmm. um, but uh, very highly regarded um, in Mexico. They're like, uh, let's call them the, the Gracies of, right. uh, of Mexico. His sister's a, a champion. His mum's, uh, I think, was the first international female referee in yep. karate. Um, his dad's a, a legend of, of, of the art. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, um, 
so he had an opportunity to represent Mexico, went there, qualified, and then there was a coup <laughs> within the Mexico Karate Organization. No, in Mexico. And, uh, and so uh, as, as a result of this this coup um, that happened, uh, this corrupt coup, uh, he lost his spot. And, uh, and so here's a man that's qualified twice for the Olympics uh, for two countries and uh, is, is unable to represent either yeah. and misses out on the one and only chance of ever uh, being in the Olympics. Yeah. And, uh, and you, uh, another thing, you, you, you go a long way before you find somebody, a finer young man than Carlos. Mm-hmm. He, he is such a gentle spirit, such a nice young man. You know, yeah. it's, uh, him, he helps his parents run the schools and he's uh, such a modest, you know, just amazing. You yeah. have no, no idea about him. He, he never, he's ne- never bragged to me about anything that he's done, mm-hmm. ever. He's so just a... Uh, so to so here it happened to him yeah. uh, in particular. I mean, to anybody, but to him was particularly heartbreaking because yeah. he's one of these people that would it would, would would do nothing to hurt anybody yeah. uh, unless you happen to be standing in front of him and, <laughs> yes, uh, and in a karate to the wrist. Yeah, no. um, <laughs> in which case, he'll kick your teeth out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but he'd be nice about it, you know. Right. He's, he's he'd pick guys. you up afterwards. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, oh, where are we there? We got Greg, uh, oh, Ryan Bowen, Ryan, Bowen. Ryan, Ryan Bowen, yes. Ryan Bowen. So Ryan's had a big year, hasn't he? He has. Uh, he's had a big year in a lot of different ways. So uh, for those that are unfamiliar and didn't, and, and missed the episode, I did notice a few of you may have missed it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, Ryan, Ryan Bowen is, um, uh, I would say Australia's most successful, uh, arm wrestling exponent. Um, he's created a, a business and a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd be one of the few people that's got a full-time job uh, in Australia uh, out of arm wrestling. In the world, I would say. In yeah. the world? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's right up there. For somebody who hasn't competed on, on an international stage mm-hmm. uh, since COVID um, yep. has, has obviously made that really difficult. Uh, from what I understand, he's, uh, he's making more money than ever. He's done all the right things in terms of um, how he has gone about uh, being so disciplined around his content creation mm-hmm. um but also uh you know it's not afraid it doesn't shirk um any kind of um uh controversy and as a matter of fact he will do almost anything he can to stoke that controversy <laughs> yeah. he loves playing the heel yeah. um he um and and he's really etched out a, a significant niche in arm wrestling in the arm wrestling world mm-hmm. um and, and and certainly in the combat sports world and uh, uh we were very Fortunate to have Ryan over for the Apex Sport Fest uh, in early this year yep. in February, and uh, and got to, to to feel the man firsthand, yeah. and uh, just amazing. Absolutely, uh, you know, the, you, you you kind of think you're getting somewhere in the sport, <laughs> and then you know, then there's Ryan Bowen, right? And uh, <laughs> and you know, for all intents and purposes, he he looks like he's human, yeah. but then you know, you you go to arm wrestling him, and it's just a he doesn't feel like a 90 kilo dude. Nah. He, he, he feels like he's made out of iron, you exactly. know, so it's just extraordinary. That's and right. Especially, when, you know, we've been training for a while. That's you know, right. We're strong guys. Yeah, like, yeah. we kind of know where we sit in the whole, you know, hierarchy of gymnasts and yeah. gymbronists and stuff. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, so when you come up against somebody who's physically doesn't appear like he should be as, 
much of a challenge is what, what he is, and then, and then he dominates you like your arm wrestling, like your child arm yeah. wrestling your dad. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's just uh, it's amazing. It's, so, it's mind blowing in yeah. a lot of ways. Like, How <laughs> this this is not possible. <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't be happening. <laughs> you, you do you you're under you under you underestimate perhaps those people that you you see that who are on an elite level. Yeah, and uh, Ryan's because he does he, he looks so normal and. Because um, I follow his channel, as, right. as I'm sure you do yeah, as yeah. well. Um, the you know um, what did I say? Uh, the opposite to uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, you, almost like familiarity breeds contempt. Right. And uh, so you know you're kind of seeing this person, and they seem really normal, and you think, yeah, maybe maybe I'll be a chance. You mm-hmm. know, look, I mean, I probably. Yeah, I wouldn't win, but maybe, maybe, maybe I could. Yeah, get yeah, somewhere, somewhere. You know, I'm, I'm, down I'm pretty sure. Bit. I'm pretty sure I'll get his respect yeah. anyway. And then you realise it's like, <laughs> and he's like, you know, casually, you know, he's having a drink at the same time. He doesn't even have his hand on the thing. <laughs> having a conversation. It's like you started yet? Yeah. <laughs> but, but from that perspective, elite athlete, fantastic guy, ch- chasing the dream. Uh, he's also had a you know a year where his body weight's fluctuated, yeah. like he blew up. Um, so he uh, stumbled across the number one ranking, essentially, in Australia and always felt like he'd usurped that position and, and was maybe not as deserving as uh, who the current ranked number one guy in the country is yeah, uh, 187 lock kilo lock on a dare no <laughs> <laughs> 138 there's a number yeah, yeah, no, that's and, right. and it's 40 <laughs> yeah that's it I, so, I swear oh man when I watched that video there was a weigh in video this is what we're talking about there was a weigh in video for, for Ryan Bowen versus Lachlan Adair and as the guy said what Lachlan's weight was, the sound sort of went. And I thought he'd said 130-something kilos. And then I added extra couple of kilos and I said 140. <laughs> and then Lachlan, I mean, he looked big. But <laughs> he's big. He's not, yeah, the Lachlan said me, as he said, um, yeah, I'm actually 113. No, 130. 140. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not, nice to know who was watching, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> very gratifying. For sure. <laughs> yes, but, yeah, they had their match and Lachlan was able to get the win uh, dominating Fashion, Dominating, yeah, six zero, um, yeah. But uh, it was and, and so probably the biggest that we've seen Ryan Bowen compete yeah. at, and uh, and up against his, his good mate there, Lachlan. Although, uh, you know, that's what I say. He doesn't mind playing the heel because he was more than happy to bring himself into almost confrontation uh, with his best mate mm-hmm. over you know hyping up of an arm wrestling match, yeah. which uh, you know I guess goes to show how <laughs> enormously vested he is in the sport. And, yeah, for uh, sure. But uh, he's enjoyed massive success. I, I think there's been a huge uptick in his uh, viewership and. Subscribers yeah. and um, so his YouTube channel is going on to bigger and better things in 2022. Yeah. You'd imagine. I think he's he's 49,000 subscribers at the moment. So brilliant, almost at the 50,000, and in the top nice. 10 of Australia for sporting channels on YouTube. Incredible, and that's including like Fox, yeah. Fox, and yeah, all like of those major you know, major sports corporations with you know <laughs> potentially hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, and, and he's um, right right there with them. Yeah, uh, with the, you know, he's a, a local guy in Queensland. Just a dude, literally yeah. filming in front in his dining room. Yeah, yeah, yeah just uh, walking down the street. Walking down the street, it goes to show. You know, you don't don't need a studio. Maybe we don't need. A <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have a street. <laughs> well, one of the great things about the guy as well is his willingness to to help other people. Mm. And he he does have his own sort of coaching network where people can reach out. And he you know he they can get personal coaching from him in terms of arm wrestling specific stuff. 
But he does also sponsor a lot of the other arm wrestling YouTube channels, which I don't think people realise mm. that he is behind the, the growth of the sport, not only from his own mm. uh, network and his own point of view, but he is helping, uh, you know, Pradeek Singh. He's helping Uncle John. Uh, he's helping all these other channels that are out there, um, you know, not only with uh, you know, money for certain views, but with advice, with, um, you know, there's, there's templates and uh, this is formula that I've used uh, and so being willing to help others to to raise uh, arm wrestling you know across the board for everybody yeah I don't think people will sort of realize that they might only see him from their point of view as if they watch his channel they 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 might not like the guy and that's what their perspective is yeah they don't realize that when when there was no path he created the path and he's taking other people along with him so yeah yeah massive respect to, to what he's doing and uh, he deservedly i think he's probably the third biggest channel uh, in the world in terms of arm wrestling you've got um the arm wrestling tv guys would be number one yeah uh, maybe larry wheels would be up there as well he's probably the second uh devin larratt michael todd and you know ryan bowen would definitely be up there but you know massive massive following how interesting is it that this year larry will's channel is now regarded as being an arm wrestling channel it's amazing you would never think because you know i remember watching his stuff a few years back and it was like this guy's so strong he's breaking world records in all sorts of areas of of strength you could do anything yeah and 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 just massive and seemed like a really you know personable guy yeah making all these uh you know amazing video content and again like that's what's so cool about this time of 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 the world is that somebody can get their phone pointed at themselves and they can make a living from it. Yeah. And just put it out there. There's these platforms um, where you can build a brand, you can build a narrative, you can make your own character, make your own mm. story. And you're not relying on uh, going to a, a TV network and hoping that they'll pick up your show or whatever. It's like, you just make it and you will find your audience. Like if you're good at what you do and you make it interesting, regardless as to what it is, it could be you, gardening like or whatever or anything people are into it mm. if you're into it and you're passionate about it and you're interesting people will watch it mm. so larry you know obviously has that talent of being an incredibly strong guy being a personable person and putting it out there in these channels and then people sort of jumping on board he's probably got a bunch of sponsors and now right. he's living in i think he's in abu dhabi or dubai Somewhere. um you know at, was it the oxygen gym or, or something like that where and you know some of the strongest people in the world are going and some of the top level bodybuilders are all training there as well. Yeah. Uh, and then for him... Well, Larry's got such broad crossover appeal yeah. across all of those strength disciplines, strong man, and yeah, essentially it, as much as the arm wrestling club has been involving themselves with MMA and strong men and, and, and uh, because there seems to be... With arm wrestling, well, I think with all combat sports, you know, if you're into one, there's every chance you're going to be into most. Yeah, you know, right. it's just it just seems to be the way of things. And so you have got these guys that perhaps you know, uh, a lot of bodybuilders aren't the best kind of uh, for you know uh, combat sports. Right. But with arm wrestling, you know, it's it's really suitable for a lot of uh, strength training athletes that are big guys. Mm. Really hard for them to go too many rounds mm. um, in in a boxing ring or uh, spend too long on the mats. But you know, get them on the tables and. Yeah. You know, it's a it works really well for their biomechanical setup. Mm, exactly, and and from a an audience perspective, to have somebody with you know a huge muscular frame getting mm. on the table, it's like it's that interest. Like, oh, this guy, oh, this yeah. guy's incredibly Everyone, strong. Everyone's keen to know what that big muscly dude's right. going to do, aren't they? That's you right. know, and there's there's not as much uh, fear in terms of 
getting somebody with that type of body, putting him in, a, in a, an octagon and going, well, you're going to fight. And they're like, well, I'm just going to get beaten because I don't know. I don't have all of the disciplines that are required to get into that world. So that's why you would never see him actually try yeah. it. It's like, oh, no, I'm just going to stay out of it. But with arm wrestling, it's like, well, everyone has the idea of what to do with arm wrestling. Yeah. And if you're strong enough, you'll beat people you know, who might have better technique just from your strength but then it's like you know you will run into somebody that yeah that knows how to beat you and they might be half your body weight and it's like how is this unfortunately they're the people i first met (laughs) (laughs) it's quite humiliating uh my ego's still recovering uh what i did love about ryan this year is that he did start a new channel where basically i think his first video on there was you know okay i played this heel character that's the character that's you know it is the character it's not the me and the me is uh me giving back and helping out and uh, and I think for him to so readily share the alchemy of social media is speaks a lot because that IP in itself is so hugely valuable um, that um, for him to not only help those uh, peers around him and those uh, personalities and, and even some of the legends of the sport to, mm-hmm. to advise and assist them in in, in building up their social media, knowing that it's great for the sport, um, to offer that to anybody and to say, hey, you know, if you want to do what I'm doing, well, uh, you know, I'll just show you how. Yeah. Um, it, it speaks volumes of the man, and people should perhaps look more to that channel if they want to know the real Ryan Bowen mm. rather than uh, looking at the. Uh, the latest RVJ video, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so big, big year for Ryan Bowen continues on. I think he, his star just continues to rise in twenty twenty two, and um, I think that, that that I think what you I, here's here's my big bold prediction for Ryan Bowen. So there's your there's sure. your thumbnail, all right? Big. <laughs> right here, but there too. <laughs> uh, is that uh, come? I reckon within the next three to five years, Ryan Bowen becomes a mainstream Australian sporting personality. Wow. And here's the other thing. Unlike almost all these other athletes who have peaked and come and gone by the time they're, they're his age, I think you'll see that he'll be a mainstay for, yeah. for years and years to come. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 that's so that's my bold prediction. Yeah. I, I think Ryan Bowen in Australia will bring arm wrestling to mainstream consciousness. And oh, it's gonna be so amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so cool to see it, and it's like you know, just, I feel like I got into the sport just at the right time. You know, yeah, just, yeah. When it just was getting people starting to pick up on it, and it's like it's great. I love this thing. It's a, it's a little bit like uh, you know Silicon Valley twenty years ago. Yeah. You know, it's that it's that kind of it's the wild west. It's the all of the opportunity. There's the uh, arm wrestling is one of the few uh, sports that has a history. That hasn't hit its. Uh, that hasn't hit the big time yet. That's right. And uh, but you can feel it edging towards <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's such a such broad appeal to arm wrestling and so many different levels because anybody can get involved if they're six years old or sixty years old. Yeah. Um, if they're in safe hands on the table, uh, any people can safely uh, experiment and and get good mm. and. Uh, and it, a great sport for, for people that are also disabled or find it hard to get around that, yeah. you know, mightn't be able to play field sport but still want to get active. And not only that, I also would say from the top down um, and, and from the bottom up, arm wrestling, the commu- arm wrestling community is one of the 
most familial that I've ever come across in any uh, sporting. Now, I know a lot of our audience are involved in um, various combat sports, and, and I think this is one of the traits of combat sports is that there's a, the community is more like family, and, um, and with arm wrestling, it seems everybody – it's still a sport where everybody does know – everybody's one degree of separation from somebody sure. else, yeah. and it, it's a very close-knit um, uh, community. And, mm-hmm. um, and overarchingly, with the sports interests at heart – um, yeah. Which is uh, seldom found. Like, you normally got people that are kind of fighting, state, uh, staking their claims and that type of thing. But it, it seems that everybody's just put the sport in front and uh, and, and wants to, wants to see it grow. Because I think ultimately everybody understands that when everybody does that, everybody will win. Yeah. So uh, that's right. And the best thing about it is being able to sort of just get on and have fun, regardless of your skill level. You don't have to be a world champion to have fun in the sport. Mm. And it's like you can literally get on for the very first time, have no idea what you're doing, have and have an absolute blast. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, not be embarrassed and not be, you know, and not walk away too sore. If yeah. you're sore in arm wrestling, it's your own fault. You, you were just, you were trying harder than you should have. Yeah, that's so. it. Yeah, that's, you, you will get more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all right now. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, so uh, we we had Steve Maxwell um, on the podcast uh, on episode nine and. Uh, uh, for those that don't know, Steve's one of the uh, w- was voted one of the top 100 um, uh, strength and conditioning coaches of, of all time. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the first uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or uh, Gracie jiu-jitsu uh, black belts in North America. Yeah. He um, helped introduce uh, kettlebell training to North America, although no longer an exponent. And uh, he, in this uh, particular episode, he went into why that was the case as well. And uh, Are you reading my notes there. <laughs> 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 really? that, was that my description? He <laughs> wasn't. Uh, uh, no, I wasn't. But uh, is that I think that's right? exactly what I've written. On Did this you really? Book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's have a look. I, 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 maybe that's what I should just be reading. Uh, so, so what you wrote was yeah. uh, Steve Maxwell has been a strength and conditioning coach since the 1960s and has seen all trends come and go. He has a massive list of accomplishments, including one of the first Americans to receive a black belt in. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, first exponents of kettlebell training and training military and police forces in hand... To hand combat. Well, so uh, so that that was the, that was your well, you intro. Well, I mean, you so pretty said close. Exactly. And that's that's the thing of, I can remember what happened in that podcast. Yeah, well, that's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that is who he is. He, yeah. the, the strength and conditioning coach for like what was it sixty years or sixty? Something? Year, yeah. Well, I mean, I think he's 60, 63, 64 now. Okay, so, um, so forever so, right. yeah, for at least that long. Yeah, uh, and uh, but uh, uh, somebody who. Um, his 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 life is steeped in ritual mm-hmm. you know he he um so there was a lot to learn about living well in this podcast as well i mean steve's pro- uh, became uh, famous because of his appearances on joe rogan's podcast mm-hmm. uh so i think he was on there three or four times and uh in on those podcasts he spoke he, of his lifestyle, which seemed to be 
the thing that drew a great audience to Steve was the fact that he was uh, every possession in his life uh, was in um, a thirty liter backpack yeah. that he he travelled around with, and that he didn't have a fixed abode, and that he was travelling the world, going from place to place, seminar to seminar. Um, he'd roughly etch out a schedule at the start of the year, and uh, would it was a um, a global citizen, you know, when yeah. in a, in those pre pandemic times when one could live like that and, and interestingly his astrology kind of suggested that there might be some thunderstorms on the horizon before COVID became a thing and suggested that he needed to get back into US territory and settle down and he thought about Hawaii but um, his astrologer strongly suggested that he need to be on the mainland mm. and uh, so he's been living in a tiny home mm. on uh, some rural acreage out, out in the middle of uh, Portland I believe yeah. since yeah. and uh, and so he's still living that really minimalistic lifestyle or as minimalistic as you perhaps can while still living in an established abode mm. um, so he so so many so many interesting facets to Steve Maxwell's story and so mm. many so many firsts and uh, once again just a hugely accomplished individual across many many disciplines having mm. successfully run a gym which has been a theme for this year many of our guests have of course uh, own their own gyms yeah. and, and manage their own gyms and work within gyms it's, it seems to be uh, part of the course for many of course uh, in the industry that uh, you know they love their sport and a way of uh, making money from their sport is of course teaching that sport yeah. and and uh, and so that it, it goes uh, it, it just goes forward to say but uh, sorry I just caught Steve Maxwell talking it was a, it was a really lovely uh, interview and Steve Maxwell made that very very easy for us and it, it, it was really nice of Steve to do that on a podcast that um, does not have millions of followers or anything like that but uh, uh, for Steve who's um, you know appeared on podcasts that have now have millions and millions and millions of views worldwide uh, for him to come on to our little modest production was uh, absolutely uh, yeah. amazing of him how, how did you run across Steve so I first came across Steve on Joe Rogan's podcast okay. and, and started following um, his um, uh, I guess I got onto his mailing list and uh, and then an opportunity to come up to uh, be mentored by him uh, and there was a, a wait list as you could probably imagine mm -hmm. and uh, so uh, but uh, there came the time when uh, uh, Steve reached out and said uh, you're next you know and um, so uh, during that period of time um, you Steve teaches um, some really um, strong fundamentals around diet where uh, he's a anti-mixer so uh, not to have starch and um, proteins together mm -hmm. so if you're going to have starch i.e potatoes well you have your potatoes with your vegetables or salad but you're not to have it with the protein okay or if you have your protein so you have your steak well you'd have that with the vegetables or the salad but you won't have it with the starch mm -hmm. so it, it's essentially um, uh, increasing digestive efficiency and uh, the uh, he's, he's also got a series of protocols from getting up to uh, having your first workout of the day um, that involves uh, breathing protocols, um, even washing protocols, um, uh, testicular massage protocols. Uh, so it goes deep. It yeah, goes deep. You set me up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't give a straight face. <laughs> Steve, I'm not even joking. He, he thinks I'm joking about this. I know you're not. Nice, but he brought it up on that as well. He I'm made glad. me buy a special 
special brush just just for it. So uh, yeah, yeah, it keeps you young. Um, so uh, so uh, Steve's about you know um, aging and having full utility over your body until until you die. So that's the whole idea. Be be like a dog. So uh, be like a dog. You know, uh, run until you can't anymore. Like right. essentially, you know, it, it, when a dog can't move anymore. You know, unfortunately, people live many years after they stop moving. That's um, right. Yeah, man. I no, I remember now because on that episode, I'm just glad that Rory didn't get a close up of my face when he was talking about that because I was doing exactly what I just did there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So uh, yeah, so there's a there's a whole series of protocols. Uh, so Steve and, and Steve's a, a great guy. Um, during the time that I did train with Steve, I think I started with him and I'd already uh, I snuck under a hundred kilos, and then by the time I was done, I was eighty. Three kilos, leanest had ever been. I had the the most utility of my body. I could do Spider Man crawls for twenty minutes in the morning. Wow! Uh, I could um, do twenty pull ups um, easily, comfortably. Um, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, keeping in mind at the time I was forty years old as well. So wow. you know, it uh, the. So a lot of those things now, obviously, I've slipped into the world of arm wrestling, and uh, none, none of those things matter anymore. Uh, and and I may have put on a little bit of weight. Um, and uh, so, but you know, I know Steve's protocols there are all corrective, and and uh, you know, by doing more of what Steve says, it's sort of by doing more of what Steve says and less of what my what what. I would like to do. <laughs> uh, you, you become a better human being, yeah. so um, you certainly become a fitter one. So uh, yeah, it was it was it was very gracious of Steve to to um, appear on our podcast and to, yeah, it. it was it was awesome. Uh, so um, we uh, there's a there's a whole little. There were so many videos, yeah. so many video this releases. Is episode twenty six, sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, a of, there's a lot of episodes where it was, you know, it, it was just maybe us it talking about us. something, or yeah. So Roman would have been on there as yeah. Uh, Roman was on there having a bit of a chin wag. Um, so Roman's uh, one of our uh, guys who's uh, usually behind the the desk here, and uh, he's one of our uh, friends uh, from arm wrestling, um, and has proven quite formidable. Uh, in his first year of competition this year as well. Yeah, I think uh, it was next after Ryan. So we've gone Steve and then it was... So I think we had a couple of episodes where uh, Izzy was talking about her Olympics trials and how she also had to deal with a bit of corruption that was holding her back from... Because I think she ch- she actually finished second in the Olympic trials and didn't get picked for the team. Yeah, yeah, which is normally first and second place, yeah. um, but an exception was made because the girl who did eventually win the gold medal, right. uh, she, um, she was the best, but she was disqualified. Right. So they went, well, yeah, but we still want her. Right. Because she's the fastest. Yeah. And uh, so see her, Izzy. Yeah. And that was that, you it's, know, and, uh, and Izzy always felt like she was a bit of an outsider in that world. And I think that's also part of it where, you know, she kind of felt like she was, she came to the sport later than most of her uh, peers in the, in that, uh, at that elite level. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and always felt that she was a little bit um, on the peripheral and, uh, and then the, the troubles that she experienced through uh, some of the some of the other problems within the culture of the uh, of the uh, Australian Institute of Sport mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know you start to see you know how these things can really impact on the on the mental health of 
people who were physically elite athletes, but um, you know, fight so much more uh, than just against their own abilities when it comes to being a success in their chosen field. Yeah, uh, there's uh, so many other factors outside of their control that uh, seem to be sometimes determining. Yeah. Factors as well. It's the worst thing. It's it's really hard to hear it because you think somebody's done everything right. They've given absolutely their best efforts. They've actually re- achieved the result that they needed to achieve, and they still didn't get peaked, or they got, you know, a corruption or something has prevented them from getting the result that they deserve to get. Uh, so it's very painful to hear it. I know mm. we did. Um, so we did a couple of episodes with, with Izzy, and then you and I did a recap uh, for episode twelve. Then we set up our own studio. So that was like our best of, yeah, best of the first twelve episodes. Yeah. A bit like this one is. That's like, yeah. <laughs> We're re- recapping the recap. <laughs> recapping the recap. That's okay because we've got twenty five episodes. So we did we, after episode twelve. Um, we set up the own studio, and we had an episode. It was just you and me, and uh, yes, and we we covered off on. Um, Uberim's trans- yes. transformation and my fly that was caught in my boot when it was forty degrees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then the next episode would have been Carly Angel and Penny. Ah, uh, yes, Penny uh, Godfrey. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, Pe- Penny was uh, just a, a, a delight, but and uh, ultimately a surprise package. She never judge a book by its cover, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so she presents as this nice, meek. Young lady, very professional, very very polite, and but she's a beast. Yeah. She is a beast, yeah. and and then we see her like a, a week later there at uh, Pride Fight Series, and my God, you know yeah. what a tough tough young lady, Absolutely. you know, fight of the night as, as far as I was concerned. But yeah. uh, uh, so uh, Penny, an amazing uh, young talent, um, and uh, and wonderful for. Um, for Carly to bring Penny along with her, yeah. and and uh, and one of the wonderful things about uh, this has also been that we've been able to uh, provide some kind of opportunity for young athletes to to come on and to uh, practice a little bit of media skills. You know, we we uh, really encourage anybody that's out there in the combat sports world that uh, wants to drop by uh, our studio and have a chat. Just reach out to us on the socials, and uh, uh, we'll happily have you in. Um, we're we're super curious about what it takes to do what you doing at the moment and and we know that everybody's got a story that the world wants to hear and uh and our great joy is being able to uh find out what that story is and sharing yeah. it with the world so absolutely yeah it's a it's, a, it's an interesting thing a concept with because i talk about this with people i work at the gym full-time the people that come through each day you know a few of the people are fans of the show and they'll sort of discuss you know the, the latest episode or, or whatever but um they're always like uh Oh, oh, we've got somebody that might be interested, or oh, you know, yeah. th- we've shown it to somebody else that would be a good guest, and it's sort of you got that network that starts building because they see what we're doing and they think it's, you know, at a level that, I guess, professional enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> amazingly professional. <laughs> we've got t-shirts. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a microphone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We've got that covered. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so th- for them to be able, we to... we don't have batteries for our remote, so we can't get off the screensaver. So <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the magic of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but then, you know, so people to, to sort of see what we're doing and then go, oh, there is somebody that you would never have known um, uh, or have had the opportunity to talk to unless they had seen the show. And then it's like, well, here's somebody, you know, that, that is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt or runs their own strength and conditioning thing. Or, you know, then it's like, because we've set this in motion, it's like now people see it and it's there. And, and you'll, I think we will, throughout the year coming up, 
we'll have a lot of people that have their story hasn't been told. They yeah. haven't had that platform before. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would, uh, so, I mean, this is a shout-out to anybody who does have that story to share. And by the way, the best stories come from those people that think they don't have a story to mm. share too. You know, um, the, the, when, when we've um, approached some guests and they've kind of said, well, you know, what would I talk about? It's like, we'll work that out. Yeah. We're going to talk about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, and you know what? Strangely enough, it's most people's favourite topic of conversation. It is. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it when they like, see that they start getting comfortable and then they, I don't know if you did this deliberately or not, but um, <laughs> we'll leave a gap for them to fill in terms mm. of conversation. Yeah. And it's like, because if they're the one telling the story and they feel like, you know, they're talking and then it's like they've come to a point at the end of their statement mm. and it's like, I'm leaving a gap and then they'll continue <laughs> talking. But it's like, I don't know, maybe it's just the psychology of, coming in here and having us that are vestedly and actively listening and we care about what you're saying and yeah. we want to hear what you're saying, uh, that people very much open up and then they start, they might be a bit nervous to start with, but once they start rolling and if we're talking about something that they're interested in, oh, yeah. whatever their field is that they've come in to talk about, yeah. um, obviously they're, they're going to have funny stories or they have experiences or moments or, or difficulties or things that you know they've faced and it's like, if you can, they, 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 I can see this like reveal of mm. here is I'm gonna I'm gonna tell and I've never told anybody this yeah. before you know <laughs> yeah it's a weird uh, sort of psychology that comes with with this sort of platform which is awesome it's like I didn't predict that that would be a part of it you know it's maybe you put the headphones on you hear people are listening to you and then it's like away you go you, and you know people could talk for three hours about something and, oh. and I would never thought I would have done that it's like yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it is because, like, you're talking about the thing that is your that that's your reason for being. It's your purpose. You know, you you love it. It's uh, it's that thing that you're giving your life to, and uh, and there's a story connected to why it is um, that you would be doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, well, Matthew Charles, for instance, yeah. um, what a what a what a an amazing story and, mm-hmm. and an unexpected one. Yeah. Um, so uh, if it's for somebody to say that they were going out of, the, for, for somebody who holds his superficial reputation of being a, just an overall badass karate dude mm-hmm. um, who's done some amazing things and accomplished some incredible feats mm-hmm. um, in, in karate. But to, for him to say, I, hate confrontation I hated confrontation I couldn't bring myself to because of the the, the abuse that he suffered when he was younger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for him to then find himself where where he is now it's just just truly just truly extraordinary yeah. and uh, and you you start you start to think because you you having your like you have a stereotype in your mind when you hear about somebody who's you know on, on paper is Matthew Charles and and you think wow like this is this is Tough guy, and mm. no doubt. And but you find out well, why he's a tough guy. Yeah, and um, and he doesn't think of himself as a tough guy. Like mm. he knows, you know, he knows, but he he's he, he's not that guy who you would. He's humble, right. and he's, uh, uh, you know, you can almost uh, you can almost sense within him that the the battle is constantly being within. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, just just a just a remarkable story. Yeah, one and of those. I, I, I was. Super surprised to hear. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The, the very first thing that you know, we did the intro, and 
I think your first question was like, well, what what got you involved in it? And his and his first answer was it was fear. It was it was to overcome fear of my surroundings. And it was like, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. And then it was like this really in depth conversation right off the bat. Mm. And it was like, wow, you know. It, <laughs> I, was, I just remember sitting there like, this is so in in intense, like you straight know, off the bat, yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't, I didn't. He was recommended to us from from one of the uh, from the Aussie arm wrestler, uh, ah, yeah, Jake, Jake Ward. Yeah, uh, you know, oh, this guy be great. Have Jake on, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, this guy be a great guest. And I was like, cool. And I did some research, and you know, I found as you said what you would find for somebody. It's like you know, the black belt in jujitsu, uh, sorry, in karate, and and runs his own school, and uh, you know, general badass dude. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, I that's what I'm expecting to. You know that he's going to tell us the stories of how he, yeah. and then it was straight or away. Or at least how to wax on, wax off. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still waiting for that lesson. <laughs> but then to to find that conversation, and I literally listened to that hmm, probably eighty times because mm. I had to edit up, it and edit yeah. up the audio because we had some issues, <laughs> issues on the day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and there were so many amazing moments in in that, and it was just like, wow, this this was an incredible story that I would never have had party to, to hear and I don't know if maybe even his students would know that that's that story or anyone who's looking at uh, from the outside and saying oh you know Matthew Charles or karate is about this and then it's like well no here this is the guy who you should listen to well we do try to research our guests a, a yeah. little bit so we can familiarize ourselves right. with them and what they've accomplished yeah and, uh, and just so we don't say the wrong things sometimes <laughs> you know and because uh, these people were fired of course that's right um but uh, you know none of that none of that was no. you know out there <laughs> no. about him and uh and so to to find that i mean that's a that's a real find that that particular episode if you uh, have been struggling to overcome anything and especially the abuse of somebody else who's been in a position of of power over you then uh then that's that's definitely one to revisit because um yeah matthew really does explain how he grappled with mm. conflict and how he overcame uh, his fears um around um all of that mm. and uh and not only that but then went on to accomplish some uh, bloody amazing thing yeah as well. i remember the, just writing the notes for us before we went on and it was just just had a page of stuff and it was like you know this he's done this he's done this he's done his and you know so we have an idea as to these are some of the things we might talk about some of his accomplishments and then it was like none of that really <laughs> no, it didn't even come up <laughs> yeah, that's right. all that research and nothing yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was there if you needed it yeah. <laughs> um and uh, so and after matthew we uh well it was very shortly after we had Carly and Penny drop by the studio right. and uh, we found ourselves at uh, the, the Pride Fight Series. So right. Pride Fight Series 3, um, so a huge event. We were very fortunate to be uh, invited along and uh, you were able to snaffle some interviews with the fighters post-fight yeah. uh, as well, which was an absolute treat and people can jump onto our YouTube channel at Daily Combat Podcast and, and check those interviews out. Um, and uh, what did having... What did having that opportunity to chat to those uh, fighters post-fight and what was your impressions of those people post-fight um, at, at, at that event? Yeah, amazing opportunity. And uh, as what we were talking about just before we started filming today, where you just, you know, you're know you going to turn up and you've got to get something done and you record something and then you've got to work with it and then hopefully you know the next time you do it, it will be better. But um, I was really happy with how it went and obviously being a big fan of you know, combat sports, I had an idea as to how I've seen interviews, I know the general idea of what to sort of talk about, um, but being able to sort of get backstage and it's like, 
like, okay, well, this is strange, and you've got just people running around everywhere. And luckily, one of the the girls that trains at my gym, Carly Taylor, just a shout out to Carly, and thank you for for helping introduce. Uh, she sort of said, "Oh, uh, do you want to talk to somebody?" Um, and I'm like, "Yeah, we'd love to do an interview." It was it was us there with the camera, and you know, it was fighters and coaches, and everyone just sort of running around and. It was our first time doing it, so it was a bit of like, <laughs> oh, we don't know really what we're doing. But um, Carly's, oh, well, here, I'll, I'll um, introduce you to you know, Jenna or, or, you know, and come and have a talk to her. And I was like, yeah, cool. And let's hit record. And hey, this is, you know, the <laughs> thing. And this is, you know, we talk about the fight for a few minutes. And um, yeah, so we did that with, with four of the, the female fighters that uh, had been on the card and went really well. I was really happy with being having the opportunity to do it. Uh, I think most of the people we'd spoken to, I think three out of the four had were the victors. So they were, you know, obviously in a very pumped up, good, excited mood. Uh, Tandia Singleton, who hadn't lost to Penny Godfrey, um, she was, she had, you know, even though she'd lost the fight, she was still willing to talk, and and uh, she gave a very nice, really quick little five minute interview about her sort of history in the sport and how she got into it. So yeah. to have that opportunity was, uh, you know, it was fantastic for, for me, like as a as a fan of, of combat sports, and then it's like all of a sudden you're like, you know, you're <laughs> you're, 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 the, you're the guy like talking to people, <laughs> and it's like wow, yeah. surreal, surreal year for me. This you know, getting involved in even now, like sitting and talking on camera is like wow, this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody hasn't worn off it. yet. I love it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, it was a fantastic event and gave us an insight into um, local promotions and and um, and and the wonderful support that they receive at a grassroots level as well. Because there was um, there could have been a thousand, it could have been thirteen hundred people. I don't know how you count these things, but there, there was there was certainly well over a thousand people. I, th- I think that there were over capacity. You know, mm-hmm. it was huge. They couldn't have fit another person in there. There yeah. was line lineups out the door, um, and uh, and they weren't disappointed like the quality of fight was outstanding yep. and the the sheer volume of fights mm. was uh truly um, uh, remarkable so mm. we i think there was 19 fights 19 on the fights. card six, um, six day event no. <laughs> See, that's right that's right it was more of a festival uh, <laughs> but it ran to schedule that's what i can't believe it, it, and started late uh, yeah. so uh, and you know, every fight went decision like ah oh, it was yeah so but uh, yeah it did very very well and a, a wonderful event and uh, and, and once again a, a great family event and for Carly and her team to put together such a professional event uh, in the way that they did on the budget that they have was mm-hmm. uh, just um, uh, something they should be extremely proud of yeah. and, and we were certainly um, very proud to be part of that event and uh, in our small ways as well yeah so you, you were ring announcing for that event uh, <laughs> which was, you did a fantastic job and you always do um, wh- when was the first time that you've done announcing work uh, was at apex Sport oh really? In, yeah. Okay. Awesome. So <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, so uh, previous to that, um, I'd emceed uh, many major events, mm. um, but uh, uh, to actually ring announce a, a fight event uh, that was uh, Apex, and it's always something I'd really I'd, I'd, I'd always coveted that position. <laughs> it had always been in the back of my mind, and yeah. uh, you know they're, they're the types of opportunities you you can't you can't do too much to create. I'll be honest with yeah. you, and uh, there was. Uh, there was, I got a phone call and um, uh, from Ike at uh, DFC uh, just as COVID had um, kind of kicked in and and he said, "Look, we've got this big event coming up and uh, we, yeah, we've lost our ring announcer. Um, he's going into re- early retirement because of COVID and uh, he can't travel and you know uh, he's kind of lost the will to to continue for now and uh, so." 
you, you know, you're the only person I know who's spoken in front of thousands of people. So, uh, how about you give it a go? And uh, I thought, yes, yes, this is amazing. My lucky this day, is come. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, it, yeah. So we we had uh, Apex there at the at the Nord Oval and thousands of people in attendance there, um, which was a, a huge event and um, and I think showcased the potential of that format of event as well. Um, so, uh, but but a tremendous event to to play some small part of, and then. Um, um, yeah, then Carly show. Um, so yeah, which was uh, really cool and uh, very very enjoyable, and uh, and a great team of people. You know, the tech guys do a great job. You know, and uh, uh, of course the the team the the team that organised it. Carly's team were very very professional. Yeah. They're very professional in what they were doing, and um, so uh, yeah, they they should be very proud of themselves. And uh, hopefully they invite us along again. And we we nervous like the first the first time you got up to do it. Did was there any like oh, I'm not sure if this is gonna work or were you like no I know what I'm doing I'm fine. Um, no, uh, there's so my um, my major major concerns are always um, pronouncing mm. fighters' names correctly mm. because it's their moment. Danielson, Danielson, Danielson. I'm still not sure. Uh, uh, I hope he doesn't see me in the street. Danielson, who doesn't see him? <laughs> I don't want to say his name wrong. Um, Coelho. Oh, yes. Young, young, young Coelho. Right. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, well, you don't want to say the names incorrectly because you don't want him to be upset. No. And especially, you know, where, you know, you don't want to be the thing that maybe is an omen or puts them off their best or gets mm-hmm. them thinking off game or, or anything like that. And and it's also their moment and to, to shine. And, and you know that they've got <laughs> either family in the crowd or, you know, their best mates are there or their girlfriend's there or their wife or their kids or uh, or they're certainly watching online if they're not there and so you know I'm, I'm really uh, mindful of uh, that fighter's moment and um, and so you know it, it's really uh, troubling to me and it keeps me up at night when you do get those things wrong that are disrespectful potentially to the fighter or that um, take takes away from what should be a, a their moment mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so uh, they're, they're the they're the moments that uh, that yeah like I say keep you awake at night uh, after you've done them, and oh. uh, that you uh, and that you you do everything you can to mitigate so it doesn't yeah. happen uh, again in the future. Right. Um, so that's all, and, and also because um, I'd not had a lot of experience and been close to the ring before, mm. and understanding the dynamic there, and um, and my MCing has been uh, not a, once again it's not been specific around fighting or anything like that. So. Mm. Uh, uh, just uh, also understanding the culture of being near the ring, and uh, you know, and uh, the, the do's, the don'ts, and the the pattern of behaviour that that happens uh, in that very highly specialised environment, where mm. the, most of those people have been doing that for years, mm. and uh, and understand their ro- role intrinsically. And so, uh, it, I, I think that takes a little bit of time to understand exactly where where you fit within that, mm. and uh, and how you work best with that that team, mm-hmm. and because it's not. Um, um, it's not a um, a, a, a comp- It's a promotion, but it's not a company where you'll sit with these people and you'll plan that out. Right. Uh, it's very much you're there on the night. There's a show to go on, and it's only through the experience of having those shows uh, that uh, you 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 grease the wheels together. Yeah. Um, more so. So uh, DFC, for instance, which was the um, uh, the most recent uh, DFC twelve at Adelaide mm-hmm. Oval. Uh, for me, that was the the best one so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was um, it, it was mainly because of familiarity with those people around me mm-hmm. and understanding 
what my role was more so. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to be mentored into that role and I would have dearly loved to have had that chance to uh, sit with somebody um, for... And, and, you know, if borders open up and restrictions settle down, that is definitely something I want to do, um, is spend time with the best uh, in that field um, so that I can become a master of that craft um, because it's something I love doing and uh, and it's something – well, I, I bought the tuxedo now. So, <laughs> so I, yeah. I want to get my money's worth out of that, that maroon a, uh, velvet It's got blood all over it now, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Does it, have, uh, it does have blood on it? Uh, it's, well, <laughs> a little bit. We got a bit of blood on there after the Pride uh, yeah. event. Yeah. So, uh, what, what specifically do you mean in terms of the dynamics? Is that like where you're standing, where your when when to say somebody's name or when uh, the music stops how long to wait before you do your speech or that sort of thing yeah yeah i think um early on without um without any mentoring and, and not having had the experience of being too close and also having those people that would be directly your that i'm directly directly responsible to mm. in that environment also uh busy because they've got their roles to fulfill right. and they're actually the busiest people there mm. um and so i don't i I've, um much of it has been feeling it out and uh, doing what it feels appropriate, um, and um, and then seeking guidance from uh, the commentators or uh, uh, the judges, um, and um, and and they've been uh, just sort of really generous in in the way that they've been supportive of me, um, because they, you know ultimately they understand it's a show, mm-hmm. and uh, and they they. Um, that want to see the best show uh, happen. Uh, I got some wonderful feedback from um, one of the old judges from um, uh, Iska at, at the DSC. He mm-hmm. says, oh, I've been to over 4,500 fights and uh, you're one of the best ring announcers I've ever come across. Wow. And I thought, oh, that, that was really nice, really generous of him to say. Yeah. And, and uh, But, uh, you know, I... I I would love to – it's something I've thoroughly enjoyed. It is a craft I'd love to master. And um, and I think in the uh, uh, as um, I become more comfortable in that environment, uh, uh, that will reflect more so in, in my performance as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And also because you want to find yourself uh, as a ring announcer or, or I'd say as a performer, just generally speaking, there's a particular sub-personality – that you might employ, mm-hmm. and it might take you some time to settle into that sub personality. So, uh, you're definitely a different person when you're standing in the middle of an octagon with yeah. 1,500 people looking at you and thousands of people watching online than what you might be if you're, say, just behind the microphone in a podcast situation yeah. like this. You know, you, there's not a uh, this has a high level of intimacy into the communication. Um, there's a lot of nuance. Um, there's a lot more gets said in tone, and instance <laughs> um whereas all of those things are lost on a big stage and you, you're communicating and potentially communicating with thousands or more people mm-hmm. but the me- method and the the performance associated with that uh form of communication is uh, very very different and mm-hmm. requires a very specialized skill set and um I think I've got a natural disposition to some of that skill set, and there's still a lot to learn, and and uh, and that's what I'm really looking forward to in 2022 yeah. is having that opportunity to learn more and yeah. and to, to get better at saying Danielson's name. <laughs> that's it. Well, it yeah. is it is a skill, and you see it. I mean, I remember going to see the UFC live, and you've got say ten fights on the card. Yeah. Um, the first six fights are prelim fights, and you know Bruce Buffer was there. He was doing the announcing. For those first six, he was very low key, mm. and it was very plain and very simple. 
ladies and gentlemen, the fighter, and uh, you, you know, it was it was there, but it yeah. wasn't a it was big straight fight. up and down exactly. Mm. And it was like you know the fighter, and here he is, and then and he states, and okay, let's go, and then they would fight, and mm. then he did that, and it was slow. You could feel he was slowly <laughs> building it. <laughs> and by the time they got to, after the six fights, they started the pay per view. So the pay per view was the last four fights. Yeah, and he steps into the middle, and it was a different man. He yep. was like, ladies and gentlemen, it's time <laughs> five rounds. And, the da, da, da. and then it was like you feel the audience yeah. like oh yeah, yeah. and it can make such an impact <gasps> on the experience that people have when they yeah. go along to those events and yeah. if you are a prelim fighter and you do well it's like you are aiming for those main card spots and part i think part of the reason is now you're going to get that swell of you are you are someone important and it, this announcer is going to make people like go wow and get excited yeah. for you and it's yeah. like that's his job and you can see it uh that build up and uh, people don't really sort of look at that that nuance they don't might not mm. realize that that's that's happened yeah and by the time you get to the main event obviously he's <laughs> literally spinning in the air and <laughs> <laughs> i was on fire and oh my god <laughs> you guys can see you getting excited yeah yeah <laughs> uh, well you know there's a couple of turning points because when, when uh ike asked me i i've been to several dfcs and mm. and uh i've been to some other fights and and promotions and and uh, knees of fury and stuff like that, but it, it, not a lot. And and usually, you know, a, a ways away from the ring, and not really paying attention to the ring announcer. Just yep. think that, that, that that'd be cool. Mm. I think I'd have a go at that. That's all right, but not really paying too too much attention. And so uh, and so when it when it did come, it also came a bit out of the blue. So mm. of course, you know, you do what any anybody is tasked with something they're not quite sure about does <laughs> you jump onto youtube yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you see bruce buffer and and i and and i started i, I was practicing like in the car and yeah. you know where, where um when my office is empty things like that you know and uh <laughs> i feel sorry for the name that was, that was one of what the, there must be a fight club in that yeah, in, that's in right. that building um but uh i'd um yeah so i i was practicing and then i was watching one particular video and i i, I can't I can't recall um, the the exact fight, but um, Bruce Buffer was um, he was he was announcing the fight, and the fighter was right there in front of him. And as he as he's announcing, he's got his card, you know, the the card, <laughs> and, he, and he's like he, he's he's. He, announcing to but he's announcing to the fighter like yeah. he's the only person in the room but he needs everybody in the room to hear it yeah, yeah. and the fighter you could see was just <laughs> it, it, it had it, it was all like the energy bruce buffer's energy yeah, was yeah. going into and you could see like he grew two inches <laughs> and the chest came out and you could just see after that and and but not only was the fighter like that but everybody everybody in that stadium was like that yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like my God, he's tapped into something you know yeah, yeah. but what, what made it really obvious was that when you throw your energy into the fighter you know that that's when the whole room responds yeah and whereas you know i think you think simplicity around like <laughs> simply around okay i've got to do a, a, a good i've got to say the right things and i've got to do, you know mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when you kind of invert that it's so i look good so i don't look like an idiot essentially right. you know i don't want to look like an idiot and that's kind of like the first thing you think i want to do a good job but i don't want to look like an idiot yeah. you know i want to say the wrong thing or stand at the say the wrong thing at the wrong time or uh, yeah. uh say the wrong thing which i've done you know you, you, you're going to make mistakes mm-hmm. and and um only silly if you don't learn from them and uh but 
when you kind of invert it to okay, it's not about you whether or not you look silly. It's about how the athlete feels ab- about it, and uh, and that's your real responsibility is to their moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more you can kind of pour into that, and uh, I had that uh, just a, a, a small taste of that at DFC twelve, uh-huh. just a small taste okay. of that. Yeah, it, it, so Talia, Talia, the great white greats. Oh, yeah. um, so uh, uh, at the uh, weigh-in said, look, I'm the great white. Uh, okay. Great white greats. <laughs> that, uh, uh, can you announce great white greats? Yeah, that, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. That, that's so cool. And, and she's such a like a, again, it's such an entirely pleasant young lady. You know, so modest and and softly spoken, and just and she said, but I, I really, want, you know, I'm yeah. a great white. And it's like, yeah, cool, awesome. And anyway, so uh, and then we, I, I did a bit. Uh, I put a little bit of extra into that in the weigh-ins, and uh, it's like, yes, that was pretty. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. she liked the, she liked the sound of it. Like awesome. she, she'd heard it for the first time on the microphone, yeah. and I think she went, "Yes, like, oh, that's me, that's me now." That's I'm the great white great. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and then when it came to uh, uh, announcing on the night uh, at the event, and uh, she came out, she was she was so pumped, and she came, she fist pumped me. It was like, yeah, it was like, yes, it's so yeah. cool. You know, oh, it was just a, that that really cool moment where, like, it was her moment, and she got she got to hear her, her nickname on the microphone, and yeah. she had a walkout music. And she had over a thousand fight fans, and yeah. and and then uh, and also what I will say is that she, of all the athletes on that night who jumped in the ring, she occupied it and had the most charisma in the ring. I okay. would say of the fighters that yeah. night, yeah, the way she occupied the ring was, uh, yeah, as you would expect of a UFC athlete. Yeah, you know, it was really cool, and uh, and just <laughs> that little engagement was like, yeah, that's what it's about. It's a, from my end, it's about one representing the promotion, making sure that they look great to the world, mm-hmm. uh, but it, but. Uh, to do that and the, the key is uh, making the athletes putting the energy into the mm. athletes and mm. uh, so that that's a, a few of my observations from mm. the, the, the first three events I've ring announced that yeah I just love it man I know that it's like that is the show that you that's what you're paying to see and people not won't realize that it's like yes you've got a fight and that fight is real and that's you know what you're there to specifically see but all of this the stuff that's built around it is what gets you into it gets that moment happening makes your event like makes it worth so if you're going to a live event and it's like that music hits that speakers they turn all the lights out then it's like their image appears and their start and their music goes and it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, and if that fighter is charismatic and they've got something about them and they're coming into the ring and it's like, uh, you know, and then the announcer's doing their thing and it's like they're, they're introducing it and it's, this is the day and it's like, yeah. the crowd just feels it and it's like that, that energy is where you're getting your value for money, you know, regardless as to what happens in the fight, like that moment was worth the actual Price of admission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that's something that DFC do really well. Um, th- there was a time when um, those uh, fights were held in a much larger arena, mm. and uh, and and they didn't have that atmosphere. And uh, and and when uh, Greg and and Ike took that uh, promotion over and mm. rebranded, and um, uh, Greg had that great story about how they came up with the name and the rebrand Jeez. and all of that type of thing, driving around Melbourne, and uh, the. Um, uh, but when they did that, they 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 said, well, if we want this to be regarded as an elite sport, we need an elite venue. Yeah. And uh, the iconic Adelaide Oval is as elite as it gets mm-hmm. in South Australia. And so they sought out um, the Adelaide Oval and uh, and were able to secure the McGarry Room. And there was some trepidations from uh, Adelaide Oval management about having you know a thousand <laughs> MMA 
fans mm-hmm. and uh, in their venue or 1,500, you know. Um, but uh, not a single fight, no security concerns, mm-hmm. no issues whatsoever at the mm-hmm. first event. Just uh, all of their hesitations, trepidations uh, subsided and they became enormous supporters of, of uh, what it is that DFC are trying to do. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and and I think one of the great benefits of that is uh, an iconic venue uh, that's instantly recognisable that gives the fighters something to say that, you know, they came to... They didn't come to Adelaide fight. They fought at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah. They, they fought where the greatest of Australian rules footballers have played, where the greatest uh, cricketers have ever played, mm-hmm. that have ever lived, have played. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're going to that that holy place of, of, of one of the holiest places of Australian sport yeah. uh, to to test themselves against the best or mm-hmm. those people that are stopping them from being maybe the best. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, just a, just a master stroke of marketing from, uh, from Ike and Greg. Mm-hmm. And they've done a terrific job. And, and creating that atmosphere uh, in that room is just... Uh, uh, some to cre- makes makes for a very special environment for the athletes and makes for a fantastic spectacle uh, for the audience mm-hmm. on the pay per view, mm-hmm. but uh, just a, a tremendous um, energy in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think from from my perspective, you know, uh, in ring announcing moving forward, uh, one of my great emphasis are going to be in spending more and more time uh, on the fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, we one of our other episodes here mm-hmm. was uh, with a uh, fellow DFC presenter. Mm-hmm. Um, Rich Warner. Rich Warner. And Rich um, uh, spends a lot of time with the fighters before um, before uh, the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll um, uh, interview them. He's often um, heavily researched them. Quite often he'll know them personally as yeah. well, which help, helps him uh, on the night. Um, and so um, that's uh, I'll be spending a little bit more time, I think, with Rich because I think the the more I know about what perhaps uh, is their story, the better better I'm going to be able to uh, uh, feed into that mm. on, the, on the night and um, and give uh, give the energy that these fighters need to exactly bring out their best. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, you know, those avenues that you've found, it's like okay, you're doing the announcing. And if you're doing a, a top level job of that, but then you also know the fighters and you know their stories, and you know it doesn't necessarily mean that the only opportunity of what you do is at the announcing side of it. It's like, oh, um, Dave, can you interview um, uh, this fighter over here just for a minute? Like, we we just need someone to do it, and then it's <laughs> like, well, I know him, I know what his story is, and you yeah. go over and you you can do an a, an awesome interview, and it's relevant to his story, and you you can bring out the reasons he's fighting and all the rest of it because you know mm. that history, so. It's, it's such a valuable thing to, and a lot of people will miss those opportunities because they go, oh, my job is just this and that's all I do. And it's like, well, no, you can actually expand your abilities yeah. because say that thing ends, whatever your specific one task is, whatever reason, like, you know, maybe you couldn't do it or maybe that the, the, there was something that happens and your role ended. But if you had created 10 other things you were doing, it's like, well, actually that thing's there. But we really like you doing this and maybe we'll get you on the commentary or maybe we'll get you doing this or maybe can you interview this or, you know, can you run the whole thing or whatever, you know, yeah. it's like um, those opportunities don't exist if if it's not like, oh, everyone knows Dave, Dave knows everything about the whole thing, you know, it's, um, people do miss those opportunities that if you are in an industry and it doesn't have to be combat sports, it could be anything with a mm. job and it's like, 
if you are just sticking to your one little area and that's all you focus on, you just do that thing, okay, well, yeah, you're going to get good at that one thing. But mm. you have the opportunity to look at the whole area and yeah. then you know, expand your knowledge, expand your skills. So that then they go, well, he, actually, he knows how to do all that stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, can you see if he'll do it? And it's like, you know, and then it's all of a sudden you are now able to do these things. But how did you end up here? It's like, well, I... I figured out how to do it and I started doing it for free or on my own time or out of my own interest and oh, then yeah. it became an opportunity. And it's yeah. like I was the natural choice because I was already doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. You know, um, so people do... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not that people ask me all the time, but I have had people ask me, you know what, how did you end up doing something like that? Because it's... Well, it's interesting, and right. uh, you know, and probably limited opportunities in that field. And um, it, it really was a, a, a matter of doing... A, a, things for free for many years mm-hmm. so that I had the opportunity to speak in front of more and more people. Yeah. And, uh, and that meant, you know, um, dedicating hours of my spare time to helping run uh, events and things like that. Now, by the way, I didn't run those events to create an opportunity. Right. But by doing those things, it gave me a skill set that led to the next thing that led to the next thing. And, you know, I say to people that say they don't know what they want to do in life, it's just do, do the next thing because just the next something. thing will lead, lead to the next thing. Yeah. You don't need a master plan. What yeah. you need is a skill set because out of the skill set that'll lead to that, – that'll lead to – it's the skill set and your willingness to learn more that mm-hmm. will open up more – doors for you mm-hmm. than any plan you're ever going to come up with that's right so um and in this case it was literally an opportunity money couldn't buy and a door that i wouldn't have been able to knock on um the 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 uh, literally the phone rang for me mm-hmm. and um and i think if you do enough of the right things uh, enough of the time the right things start to happen um so your phone wouldn't have rang if you hadn't have done all those other things because it's like you know craig was like okay our announcers dropped out who do you know that knows how to talk in front of a lot of people yeah oh, i know somebody i know dave i know yeah i think he could do it all right well let's call him yeah yeah you know? which which is is you know was was really uh Really cool, you yeah. know. I, I will say, you know. So, yeah. To, so, uh, yeah. There's a life lesson out there for for the kids, right. isn't there? That's you know, right. if you don't know what to do, just keep just do the next thing, and then eventually <sighs> you'll, you'll have a skill set, and uh, one it. one day you'll be lucky enough to be talking on a podcast with Matt Connolly. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all the stuff I've done. I've done so. I've done sixty five films. 65 films. 65 films. See, I didn't know any of this. So. Okay. Right. <laughs> 65 films. 65 films and like 27 commercials or something. But Wow. Um, and I would say out of the 65 films, I would say probably 50 of them were unpaid. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Unpaid. Just Turning just, up. Just student film. Yeah. Know, just getting on in front of camera, going down to the local media arts production schools um, and just saying, hey, I want to get into acting. Like, you know, you guys are learning how to make films. If you need somebody, here's here's my details. And then, um, okay, well, we need somebody. Okay, well, I'll mm. do it. Whatever, whatever it is, you know. Oh, you don't quite fit the thing, but no one else has turned up. So yeah, and it's like, okay, I'll do it. And then you know, I would take the time and do films, and I did. I think like twenty something in in a year and a half, um, and they were all very low quality and didn't look good. And you can't then go, hey, look at this is awesome. It's yeah. very average, but it was experience. And then, but from those things, when those students or when those people had moved on to professional stuff and it was like, oh, um, actually, I know somebody that would probably be good for that. Mm. And then you start getting the paid work. And I yes. wouldn't have had those opportunities if it didn't, if I hadn't have done all those those volunteer 
free stuff that looked terrible and didn't come back very well and you know you could see half your face and <laughs> yeah. the words didn't match up and you know yeah. the lighting was bad and all the rest of it but it was like uh, those uh, things led to other things and yeah. it's like you know for, for now to be able to sit and talk confidently or feel yeah. confident to get on in front of camera it's like um, you know because I've done it for hours and hours and hours yeah. uh, and it wouldn't have had the opportunity or being able to feel comfortable to do it without having done those things beforehand yeah it's also being prepared to put yourself in a, in a space of discomfort mm-hmm. um, regularly enough so that uh, because the, you, the growth lives on the other side of the discomfort you know mm-hmm. you've, you've just got to uh, 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 where my little journey began initially was you know like all people you kind of have a feeling you might be okay at something and so you you know, you have a go at it, and uh, and you go, know, oh, well, that wasn't. Or you have a practice before you completely embarrass yourself, <laughs> and then you have a go. And and for me, um, I, I was uh, I decided I wanted to be an auctioneer, yeah. and uh, I was only uh, about twenty or so years old at the time, and and so uh, and it was largely unheard of for somebody of my age at that time to 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 auction. And um, I thought, well, you know, look, this is this is something I want to do, and the place that I worked for at the time were very discouraging of it, um, so I ended up. Uh, moving work for for some part because of that so mm-hmm. i had the opportunity to become a practicing auctioneer and uh, i moved to a company that provided me the opportunity to well to let me just do it mm-hmm. um and uh and i did and i remember the the first auction <laughs> that, <laughs> that i held uh, i wore a, a, a trench coat because it was bucketing <laughs> down with rain i had a, a, a big trench coat on and just as well because my leg wouldn't stop shaking yeah. like the, the whole time <laughs> yeah and uh i don't know what my my voice would have heard like i'm very fortunate <laughs> it was raining so hard i don't think anybody heard yeah and i and i prattled through my call like i thought it would and 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 there was and just to make things worse there was another uh, real estate agent it was a, a competitive real estate agent <laughs> I, was, I was there watching you what, know was he just, like, oh. no it was the chick yeah i don't know what she was thinking but it wasn't good things i'm sure of it and i wasn't thinking good things but anyway it was all it, it was a bit of it was a fail it was a fizzer nothing really happened but i, I persisted yeah you know, and i did the next one because i thought if that's as bad as it can get yeah which is that's about as bad as an auction get three right. people turn up yeah. You're one of them. <laughs> the other one's the vendor, the person that owns the house, and the yeah. other one's the competing agent. So, uh, right. yeah, yeah, that was, and it was raining. Right. Um, so, so just you know, it was like that's as bad as it can get. And I thought, well, if that's as, I didn't die. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a go again. And so I did a few more times, and I had a lot of failed auctions as I kind of went through because the market wasn't very good, and I wasn't a very good auctioneer probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, and he, he kind of worked through. But that experience of having done that meant that. When there was an event to MC, you know, people went, well, you know how to talk in front of people. Yep. Or when uh, social media started to come around, you know, uh, I was able to produce a lot of content and mm. just talk in front of camera. And a lot of people went, well, that's an unusual skill. It's like, well, <laughs> I've, I've kind of been it. talking in public now for 20 years or so. And yeah, then, yeah. And then uh, you know, and then we, as we do this, all people might say, well, you know, well, how do you interview someone? It's like, well... You're always interviewing people, right? You know, it, it, all you're doing is asking questions so people can get into the good stuff about themselves, mm-hmm. and you just got to scratch around until you can get there. And uh, and it normally takes three to five questions, yeah. and you ask the right questions, and you'll get there with most people because mm-hmm. most people really want to tell the story. Yeah, and uh, so you know, it's a, it's it's those things, but also you know, and then you know, at least for a phone call one day when you're at work saying, "Hey, would you do this really cool thing that you know." Uh, 
ring announcing, for instance. And yeah. It was super cool. And, yeah. and that's kind of what's led to us doing more of this, this podcast as exactly. well, you know. So uh, for, for me and selfishly, it gives me a great opportunity to meet more of the people that are involved in the sport yeah. and, um, and to find out more about them um, and their challenges and, and, uh, uh, and, you know, selfishly, again, you know, some of the things that make them great because I, I firmly believe that you're the average of the five people you spend time with. And great people, stardust rubs off on you. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, if you can hang around with great people enough, you'll, you'll tend to turn out like one of them. It's crazy, isn't it? Like even mm. even if you surrounded yourself, say at the gym, and like you're training with four people that are stronger than you, you will get, get a lot stronger really quick. Yeah, because you're seeing people achieve stuff, and it's it's being made real to you. Yeah. Whereas if you are at the top of the the pecking order, and the the people beneath you can't reach your level, you're not going to progress at all. Yeah. You, they can't improve you. You can help them come up, but yeah. if, if you know if you are not able to be pushed. Like and you're not seeing something that's on the next level, mm-hmm. you know you're not going to get there. Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. This became a personal development podcast. It did. It's, it's good. I love <laughs> yeah. we, we don't have a plan most of the time when we get in. It's like let's just talk about something. Okay. Cool. I love it. Yeah. So uh, Dan Hooker and Islam Makachev. Uh, yeah, Makachev. I think Makachev. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a good that. fight, yeah. So we talk about the... Who talks about that? We talk, Did we talk about we, it? We, you and me. <laughs> was I there? You were there. In, Excellent. In spirit. In spirit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fight that was leading Oh, up. that's right. Yeah, it was a, yeah, that's right. We were talking about, yeah, that, uh, in the lead up. It's all coming oh, back there to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Dan Hooker and the... No, that was one of the fights that was leading up to the, the UFC card because uh, I think we had some time in the podcast like hey what do you want to talk about so whether, uh, this is one of the we just jumped on so that, that was a bit of an ad hoc kind of uh yeah so yeah that well you know it's, isn't it interesting that these review videos get a disproportionate amount of views compared yeah. to you know and and i think um one, one of the things that i've noticed about uh ryan bowen's channel and a lot of um uh uh, prominent athletes is that they they are now taking to reviewing uh, other um, fights or um, uh, events and um, and those the, the views on those are, are, are huge yeah um, so there's obviously a lot of curiosity around opinion mm. around these big events and we also saw that with our John Brzezink Devin Larratt mm-hmm. uh, breakdown so mm-hmm. um, I think we were talking in uh, preparation um, of, of that uh, bout um, so that was uh, the insights on that one was one of our most uh, watched videos of the year. We should do a recap of that. We should do a recap. I think we planned, we planned to even it. do a live we kind were going of thing. To, and then we that. found out it was going to be at like three in the morning. So fuck that. Yeah. So yeah, we should definitely do. We should definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, notes for later. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Natalie Stone. Natalie Stone was on. Natalie is a uh, is a is a wonderful. Um, uh, local uh, powerlifter who um, has a, an, an amazing story. Um, uh, one one that's um, uh, not an unfamiliar one mm-hmm. with, uh, as it turns out, for for many of those uh, many of our guests for this year. Yeah, um, where um, you know she she suffered um, uh, some from sexual abuse. Uh, in the workplace and and with someone who was uh, really trusted and uh, you know really th- threw her off tracks in life and um, and she uh, she ballooned out in terms of her weight and uh, really we just <laughs> lose our life. Yes. <laughs> that's weird. I, I guess that that's that's maybe a hint, unless it's a double. 
Let me just see what I can do. <laughs> Maybe good. Uh, yeah, I think it's just the uh, the switch. Oh man, do we lose power? That's weird. Okay. I guess we're recording without lights. Are we recording? Weird. I don't know why they went out. Air conditioning still on. Just the lights. Screen still on. Yeah. Okay. All right. Really weird. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Hmm. <laughs> Will anybody notice? Right. Uh, so, um, uh, uh, Natalie Stone. Natalie Stone. Yeah. Sorry. I'll start that again because. <laughs> Natalie, you deserve it. Um, so, uh, Natalie. Um, uh, Natalie really uh, uh, suffered at the hands of a, a, a trusted um, friend who. Uh, uh, and, we, and really threw her life off track, and uh, uh, she, you know, I think as she'd lost herself somewhat during that time, um, her body weight had ballooned out, and she really stopped feeling like herself. And uh, uh, something that helped her get back on track was um, the discipline around powerlifting, mm-hmm. and she really she discovered it essentially uh, as a almost like a, a remedy, you know, and um, and. Uh, she started to rebuild her life um, with almost every uh, workout and, and event, and and became a photographer for the powerlifting world, yeah. and um, uh, has her own media enterprises and um, uh, merchandise and apparel lines, and uh, has really become quite the uh, the entrepreneur. Um, so, just a, a great story to hear of somebody who. Um, could have gone either way, you know. There's a real fork in the road, and and, and not of her own making. Yeah. And uh, and uh, but for for her to find herself um, where she is today, I, you know, sometimes with these things as horrible as they are, you know, you often think, you know, without them, mm. you know, the, these really special people would not be who they are, mm. and um, and we're all the better for who they are today. You know, they really shine a. Um, really shine a, a light and a path forward for people that may have struggled with the same things that they had struggled with. Mm. And um, and for those people that are really lost uh, out there, I think there's some uh, some great resources in, um, in our playlist and uh, several of those people um, who we have interviewed over this year um, have stories that um, will, uh, I think, serve as some kind of... Um, motivation and inspiration mm. uh, for, for anybody to um, make the changes that they feel um, they need to to live their best life, whatever might, that might entail. Mm. It is interesting when people have adversity and then their reaction to it uh, and a lot of people, as you said, that, that get into uh, physical fitness or, or you know martial arts or something are trying to take control of how to... You know, deal with the situation. Like, I, you know, this this event has happened and it's gone and it won't ever. You know, it's always going to be in the mm. past. But I'm living right now, like moment to moment. Uh, and if you're feeling pain, if you're feeling like you can't control something, if you get in the gym and you you can lift that weight, and it's like, oh, I feel like I, this is something I, I I have control over this, you mm. know, and I get something out of it, and I can release that frustration, that anger, and it's like you're getting that positivity from it, not only from a release of frustration, but taking control of something, mm. and it's like you find a lot of the people that we've spoken to have gone that pathway, and it's like. I am doing this because 
this happened and that I don't want that to ever happen to me again so I will become this so mm. I am now protected against that from happening and I become a stronger person because of this and I don't want to feel that pain ever again mm. I'm going to use that as fuel and I'm going to use it in a positive manner mm. uh, whereas some other people might go the opposite route and they might be crushed by that event and it, they might never get over it and mm. it's like the opportunities are there if you are able to take it and use it in a positive direction and it's like it's a horrible thing that happened and people go through horrible moments and it's like how you react to it is how you will define the rest of your life mm. are you able to use it and use it to make yourself better mm. are you able to, to for it to happen and then it just destroys you and you never get over it and that's the end of your story and you exist for another 60 years but you didn't do any of the things that you had wanted to do in your life yeah um one of the analogies that always sort of plays in my mind i listen to a lot of like sort of motivation videos or whatever one of one of the stories and one of the, the things that comes up quite regularly is uh, i think it's les brown he was talking about you know the the ghosts of uh the dreams that you had of all the things that you wanted to achieve in your life and mm. he's like you know if you're on your deathbed and it's like all of those dreams uh come to you at that point and say we we wanted to exist and only you could have brought us to life. Mm. But now we have to die with you because mm. you didn't make it happen. You know, it's just that <laughs> sort of feeling of like, man, uh, you don't, yeah. you have all these ideas and all these potential to do all these things. And it's like, if you choose not to do them uh, through, you know, laziness or procrastination or whatever, and it's like that dream dies along when you die. Like mm. it's, and it's like only you can make it happen. Only you can bring it to life. And that's why, yeah, they'll say, you know, the, the richest place in the world is the cemetery. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, you potential. This, uh, I mean, it's what it's, it's why so many people so easily fall in love with babies because, it's, you know, they, they are ultimately they're, they're potential personified. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you go through life, you can maybe feel like you, you know, you're not. Uh, necessarily living up to your potential, or there's been opportunities lost, and but that's not to say that the the opportunities won't be there again, mm -hmm. and, and nor is it to say that per perhaps your potential is greater than what you ever anticipated it was, and you underestimated it. Yep. Um, but it's also that thing that people will believe in you for is your potential, um, even if you're a complete fuck up, even if you uh, have you know you don't uh, you haven't done the right things uh, before, if you've got the great potential to do great things and people just see that essence in you then you'd be amazed at the support support that you receive mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and that's why i say to people on the downside of advantage you're not your current situation you you are your potential and although you might not feel that you have much of that even at the moment mm -hmm. the, the potential is always far greater than you can quantify mm -hmm. um and and more than you can ever realize yeah um and uh, exactly what you make of it that's that's what that's in the future. Yeah. Um, only the future answers that that question. Mm, right. um, so uh, so to to round out this wrap up. So we had. Uh, uh, we, oh well, we, I think we've got kind of three three or four episodes left of the four four episodes. I think of guests here. So Tim Jardine, uh, Tim yes. Jardine. So former former <laughs> state. Uh, 
boxing champion. Yeah. Um, and uh, like a, a, what would you say, a, a blend between, if you could pick a couple of kind of iconic characters that most people can associate with, would it be like Chopper, Chopper Reed? Reed <laughs> uh, That's the first one slash, that Yeah, it's a very, um, so, so Tim's a, Tim's a, uh, such an interesting guy. Once again, suffered um, at the at the hands of abusers at a very young age, and, and namely his father, who was very, very um, uh, physically abusive towards him, and uh, and that of course his brother, and, and you know, and then his his brother kind of uh, groomed a gang of other kids to beat him up as well, and 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 uh, he grew up in particularly adverse circumstances, and. Um, uh, Kind of amazingly, um, even he, uh, in spite of all of that, uh, excelled on the football field mm-hmm. and um, had an amazing talent. But uh, broke a leg because of malnourishment, because of the seemingly the abuse that he was um, having to um, weather at home, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, served as a stumbling block, and then led him into you know. Uh, that that dark world of you know d- drugs and alcohol and all of that type of thing and and um, but when I first met Tim, uh, which would be nearly well about twenty five or so years ago, yeah, about twenty five or so years ago, he was a he was the strongest guy in the gym. He's charismatic. He was always um, really open and happy to have a bit of a chat, um, and uh, was this cool older guy, yeah, you yeah. know, who was uh, like big muscle, strong dude, and better listen to what he's got to say. And uh, first person I think I ever saw that uh, bench press like two plates on either side with yeah. my own eyes. And I'm like, oh wow! <laughs> um, and uh, so <laughs> um, I think he was warming up as well. But he, uh, he, such a such a, a a nice guy. That's how I knew him. And and of course you you know him personally. Mm. But through completely different circles, and we had no idea that we yeah. had these connections <laughs> with him until he was here yeah. in the room. So funny, so, yeah. And he's a great storyteller, you yeah. know. And I think you know that's another thing where, uh, you know, I think he, he really undersells himself, and I think um, underappreciates his potential as a storyteller and as a uh, and 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 as a bit of a truth teller. And and so I think there's a lot of people that could see their story in his and uh, could be very much inspired by that. And mm, um, mm. you know, I, I really actually hope as a result of this uh, this podcast that we had that uh, and I do understand we're going to have Tim back on yeah. and uh, with another special guest perhaps for some fireside uh, chats and <laughs> some some stories from oh, he's, he's already lined up the stories he's got, a, he's got them all lined up so it might be the daily podcast uh, crime series you yeah. know we'll, we'll see what comes out of it uh, but uh, yeah so uh, but uh, Tim um, even at 61 years of age he's a specimen mm-hmm. he looks fantastic mm-hmm. he's still training every day he trains at home mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, I don't think he's boxing training anymore I, I no. think he's pulled away from that a little bit mm-hmm. but at 61 no one to blame him but he, he, he looks amazing and although uh, Tim if you asked him he'd probably feel like it, you know he's not made it and, and he's you know in life or whatever I, I think he, he downplays it because I think um, in, in almost everything that he's dedicated himself to when it comes to uh, football he was great he was cut he was cut short of a great career there uh, when it came to boxing he put again put himself in a position where he could take advantage of an opportunity mm-hmm. by being there and having the discipline to turn up mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, and and also just in his ability to remain so disciplined around his own personal maintenance well-being and strength 
for such a long period of time mm-hmm. um, it is a testament because you, you as I say you, you look at the guy 61 years he doesn't look like 61 year olds like, that's right 61 year olds didn't look like that when I was a kid put yeah, it that way sure. he's, a, he's a beast of a man mm. so uh, and hilarious as oh, well oh he's so funny he's so funny <laughs> so funny uh, that's, so. that's another thing again we were talking about you know when you're facing adversity through through your adolescence and then it's like how do you deal with it and his, his methods of, of dealing with it is to is self-reliance and, mm. and it's like i don't rely on anybody i live by myself i train by myself i'm i'm quite happy to you know spend all week uh you know with not talking to anyone else i don't need anybody else yeah uh so that that is another method that people would use to to cope with things that that have happened and it's like you know this is how i'm going to protect myself against that from ever happening to me again i'm not going to be in that position no one's going to hurt me again yeah so interesting is it amazing you know it's um Negative motivation mm-hmm. um, is still motivation, mm-hmm. yeah. and we we either run towards something or we run away from something. And either way, uh, our um, our instincts are normally survival. And um, and a lot of people um, will discount the negative motivation, mm-hmm. um, feeling that there's righteousness associated in knowing what you want and going for it, rather than knowing what you don't want. And I would say that knowing what you don't want in your life is probably the first thing you need to work out. Because yeah. until you've got rid of all the things you don't want to need in your life, then it's really hard to build a solid foundation for those things that you do want um, to prosper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, uh, the um, Rich Warner, mm-hmm. Rich Warner came in mm-hmm. um, and uh, shared with us the behind the scenes of the DFC card. So Rich Warner is a, a commentator and uh, more recently... Uh, it was uh, on the table at uh, DFC 12 mm-hmm. and um, and as I mentioned previously Rich uh, uh, does spend a great deal of time researching each fighter and um, and the dynamic behind uh, each and every fight he's looking for the narrative and the storylines and and uh, and looking to take that information take those notes and make them something that um, the rest of the world can make sense of in the heat of a fight. And uh, so um, Rich kind of had a lot of the story behind the story um, associated with each and every bout from the DFC fight. So Rich uh, stepped us through that. And I Mm -hmm. think what's going to be really cool is when we have Rich back in preparation for uh, the next big DFC event Mm -hmm. and uh, where Rich can kind of break down his analysis. Now, Mm -hmm. Rich uh, confidently claimed that he'd picked every single fight on the card. Uh, I I actually don't doubt him. I, I I think he honestly did. Uh, but I, I want to test it, and so I think we've got to have him back in so he can pick the fights before the card. And uh, we can put bets on. We can put bets on. Uh, from what I understand, Rich, he can't put bets. I'm, I'm I not don't sure. Think he can, I no. don't think he can. Yeah. No, no. So, uh, but uh, that does not. St- I don't know. Is there any ring announcer thing about any of that? I, well, Maybe Matt's placing know. bets. I, I can put bets on. I'm not involved. <laughs> you might be. Oh God, what have we done? Oh, yeah. um, Opened a can of worms. Yeah. Opened up the can of worms. <laughs> so we went through all the fights and uh, and and the reasons uh, they were won and lost and uh, and and the complete technical breakdown and the personalities and and once again some of the the stories, especially that that was associated with the uh, title fight of the night. 
um, between David Butt and Shane Mitchell. Yeah. And um, uh, to hear David's story going into that, he'd been quite the journeyman over uh, the last uh, several years. And, of course, over the last few, hasn't had the opportunity to fight in the last two. COVID have kind of kept him out of action. But the upheaval that uh, David had experienced in his personal life in the lead-up to that fight was um, not probably something that was publicly known. Um, and... Uh, it, not only the personal upheaval, but he moved uh, from one end of the country to the other, from Queensland to Tasmania, and uh, and and really had to, it, and and really wasn't um, necessarily considering, you know, uh, it, as a matter of fact, from what I understand, was considering dropping out of the fight game altogether, and then, right. um, but this uh, this fight gave him purpose and a, and, a, and and a reason to be disciplined and a reason to get back into the octagon and to um, and to prepare for that maybe what that that last that final shot um, at uh, what was the Isca uh, World of Weight uh, Championship uh, belt mm-hmm, um, the mm-hmm. first one I believe uh, issued for MMA mm-hmm. and so um, David had put in a lot of hard yards over a lot of years and uh, certainly deserved the opportunity and uh, unfortunately on the night um, for him uh, Shane Mitchell was on another level and um, and I would say on a level where UFC you've got to be looking at him really really closely now and and I, I see big things happening for Shane Mitchell um, in uh, 2022. Mm. Um, I know the the whole team's working towards the big show now, and uh, it'd be fantastic to see um, Shane take that final step because yeah. you kind of feel now uh, he's done pretty much everything that you can do in at a local level, at an, a, at a regional level, and um, now it's time to yeah yeah step up to the big leagues, take take the next step. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. And the way he won that fight. Uh, mm. Was just amazing the way he wrapped up the 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 arm uh, to get the, from the from the back position. You know, had had David's arm pinned with with his leg. leg. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was once he'd done that. I mean, it's game over. It he, is. You know, Shane had both arms free to do whatever he wanted. <laughs> Could have sat there patting you know Shane on the head if he wanted to, but um, yeah, obviously rank uh, got the the rear naked choke and, and got the win. But um, yeah, it was just incredible display of technique there. So. Uh, I, I've just uh, lost where we're at. So um, I know we're getting towards the end of the series, though. Yeah, I think after Rich, I think we had an arm wrestling. Oh, the one. arm wrestling special. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and that that was a little bit. That was a promo in advance of the yeah. DSC event. That's and right. so uh, we, we had uh, Laz the Berserker Borta. Borta. And Tim the Viking. Was Tim, Tim, Tim was in Tim, the studio. Tim, I missed this one. Tim. Yeah. Graham, Tim, uh, Tim Viking the Graham. Tim the Viking the Graham. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but uh, Tim, Tim came in. And, uh, and Sledge. Uh, and Sledge. Matt Vinocchi, yeah. Oh, Matt Vinocchi, yeah. So uh, uh, Leon wasn't able to make it. Uh, well, it was all sort of last minute. I was, ah. It was just going to be me and... Um, I think it was just going to be me and Lass and, and, and Sledge. Yeah. And, and then, like, I... Messaged Tim just as a random thing that day, and he happened yeah. to be free. So I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Um, if we could have got Leon as well, we would have. But yeah. yeah, we'll get him in in the future as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, Leon's a, 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 a bright young shining star um, at the Titans Arm Wrestling Club. He's um, had more super matches this year than anybody else, and yeah. and, and deservedly uh, found himself in the octagon when the opportunity for a, a second fight came up. Um, so originally at DFC, we had uh, we certainly had one uh, fight. Um, that had been confirmed, um, and from what we understand, it, 
you know it was the the, uh, the, the biggest professional fight uh, of arm wrestling in, <laughs> in South Australia for last year. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, well, so there was there was five hundred dollars on the table, and uh, uh, and and that all came about because of a a little training video, a little practice video yeah. that um, you'd posted yeah. um, uh, as a result of. Uh, both Matt Vinocchi and or Sledge, if yeah. you if you're following at home, yeah. uh, and uh, and Laz the Berserker Bota uh, going at it over the table uh, on a video that I think tens of thousands of people saw. It. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's got over twenty, yeah, twenty thousand something or another. 20, huge, huge, big reach in terms of like arm wrestling videos. It's massive. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was there was. Uh, a huge build up, and and upon seeing that, Craig Ike um, from a Diamondback Fighting Championship said, "That's, I want that in the octagon. That yeah. would be cool, like mm. a, an, an intermission or a something which, um, yeah, we were super excited about <laughs> because to you know to showcase the sport in front yeah. of other combat sports fans uh, <laughs> is something that um, you know uh, it, it gets us really uh, really excited, and and uh, and it was an opportunity once again an opportunity money couldn't buy, yeah. and uh, so we." Uh, so we had the first fight all lined up, and um, and uh, we we made it. We put a put five hundred dollars prize money on the line, um, and it was a it was a tremendous battle. And I don't think I think it lived up to the expectations. <laughs> and uh, it was it was huge. You were refing. Yeah, you were in the cage refing. Oh, so tell tell us how uh, tell us your impressions of yeah. stepping into the octagon in front of a thousand fight so fans. Cool. So good. Wrestling it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like I they <laughs> I think they'd had maybe three or four fights, and then it was our turn like for for the first one which mm. was uh you know the viking versus lee leroy tim versus leon yep um <laughs> Trevor, leon. Yeah. the viking versus leroy so leroy yeah that's right and uh so you know they made like you or you made the announcement for us they're coming to the cage it's you know the sa titans arm wrestling club and it was like oh shit this is us is uh, like and I'm, I'm, I'm walking with the table like through the crowd and i actually heard somebody which was quite nice for me somebody goes oh geez look at the size of that guy's arms so like, <laughs> did you stop and give him a double bicep oh, yeah, well, just, uh, just, like, very nicely like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm not even arm wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> so we got the table into the cage, and I'm standing there, and I could see everyone looking at me, and they don't know what's going on. They've never seen arm wrestling before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're waiting, and then you did the intro for uh, for the Viking and for uh, Leroy, and they've come up, and, you know, all of us were nervous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, you know, when you get the adrenaline shakes, like I was like, man, you know, and I'm trying... <laughs> And, and of course, the body slip. And when they slip, it means you've got to put the strap together. And my hands are shaking. <laughs> so no one been watched by like a thousand people. And it's like, if you stuff up the strap, it can take, <laughs> can take a minute. And that's where you can lose people. They'll just be like, I can, I'm like, I've got to do this quickly. I've got to do it right. And yeah, it's yeah. like, I know that if it takes a long time, people are going to be, oh, what the hell are they doing? Boo. Boo. Yeah, 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 so, Never get these guys back ever right. again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was what was going on. On in your mind That's in that, that moment, you yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and and of course, and it, one guy's foot falls right, boom. That's you. <laughs> Just to like start it off. Yeah. Luckily, I mean, when I watched it back, because in my mind it was going for ages, like me trying to put this strap together, and it was like when I watched it back, it was maybe like 
15 seconds at the most for the fastest I've ever put a strap together. <laughs> Notice how I keep saying strap together and not strap on. There's uh, <laughs> a quick it's good to put make a strap the distinction. On. Yeah. <laughs> can otherwise make for all good conversation. Yeah, that's right, for sure. Um, and obviously, with the both uh, the Viking and Leroy, you know, they're both experienced in the setup. And when you are getting set up, you're going to want to be fighting for position. And I'm like, don't fight because don't make it hard for me to put this on like mm-hmm. other if you keep moving your hands it's gonna make this longer and it's like just hold your hands still do it just do this for me like don't mess Look around be nice yeah exactly yeah 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 um but luckily they they were convenient and uh, you know um, willing to <laughs> just yeah, yeah exactly uh and so but then when we had the back and forth and they had an amazing match and it mm. went so well and yeah I remember when we, we finished, we went back and uh, we had our own little set up there for people to come up and have a go. And I was just like, yes. And we were like, yeah. And we couldn't stop like, laughing and smiling. And, you know, and then obviously Sledge and Berserker are still sitting there like, oh, nervous ass. Oh, no. they've, they've seen like the level that these guys have gone up to. And they've they got, got something to live up to all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then not only that, they got $500 that they both wanted to win. Uh, mm. Biggest prize money ever in um, arm wrestling for <laughs> them like in terms of you know I mean, you don't make any money out of arm wrestling so to get $500 it's I certainly like, didn't well <laughs> <laughs> it's cost it's cost us a lot of money <laughs> 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 um, but uh, you know so when they got their opportunity I think they had another you know, five fights or something with the MMA side of things and then it was our second opportunity to come up and this was the main event in terms of us um, stepping back in felt a little bit more comfortable you know to, to know what to expect and uh, I was the only one that had been in there before because I'd done that last match so you know the, the, the intros for Leroy uh, sorry for Berserker and for Sledge to come in and I could see they were both you know that nervous feeling again <laughs> I, I was like well I'm yeah. a little hey, bit more comfortable hey boys I've been here before oh yeah I'm seasoned pro here <laughs> Yeah, you'll be fine. I'll watch, take care Watch me of you. not shake as much. That's right. <laughs> See how I'm not shaking as much? <laughs> but, yeah, so we did did the second match with these guys. And, it, yeah, one of the best matches ever. Like, oh, so like, good. Literally ever, man. Like, yeah. it was so, so freaking cool. <laughs> like, they were going back and forth crazily. Oh. Like, normally a match is a second. This went, you know, it's a 20 seconds oh. of ridiculousness. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, there was moments there where, you know, as a referee, I could have, I could have been like, ah, oh, stop. There was a slight elbow foul. I'm not calling that. I don't give a crap. You know, let's keep this going. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's no one there knew right. or cared yeah. either. They just wanted to see this thing get coming. Exactly. The worst thing probably in that situation would have been, okay, boys, stop, reset. Yeah. And, you go, oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden it goes from this free flowing kind of uh, experience that people are getting into to like gridiron where it's, uh, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and stop, it, start, and stop, start, yeah, stop, and then start. That's when the murmurs start in the crowd and somebody goes, boo. Yeah, yeah. You get know, them off. Get them off. What are they doing up yeah, there? Exactly. Uh, I didn't pay for this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, I, inst- but, other, but what happened was the opposite. Yeah. You know, people were super excited. They yeah. enjoyed it. They got the back and forth. They, they kind of got a sense that it is a combat sport and there's yeah. more than just like this going on. It's a, there's, it's highly technical yeah. and at a, at a high level. And I think this is one of the great things that um, at, the, at the Titans is that every week there is that super match and every training session gives people an opportunity to get better to refine their technique to and and i would say like um the, the, those guys gave nothing away to any other elite promotion in the world you know mm-hmm. in terms of the show that they put on uh, the technical abilities that they showcased and uh, and just generally as well i would say even the showmanship because 
you know, th- these aren't guys that are, you know, uh, that are uh, international legends of the sport or anything. You know, these uh, these are these are guys that are uh, that are, that are kind of making their way up the ladder. Mm-hmm. But the show that they put on yeah. was like they'd been doing this for years yeah. in front of a thousand people. You know, like Tim, like Tim was like ah! he was working the crowd yep. And, yep. and and hyping people up and and Laz. You know, Laz yep. is always all over the place anyway. But just like a, his exuberance and energy and occasional <laughs> cries of pain yep. was what what got people kind yeah. of engaged. Like, oh, God, what is this? Oh, whoa. <laughs> did he yeah. break something? What was the noise for? Yeah. I don't understand. You know, yeah. but did he win? Did he lose? What, what, what happened? And yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, a tremendous showcase. And, and congratulations to all of the athletes as well who, who got themselves involved, who one put themselves in a position to be there. And, and I mean, Tim's a very highly regarded uh, national level arm wrestler. Uh, in his own right and um it's very much the grandfather of uh, local arm wrestling mm-hmm. um, at the tender age of 38. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, probably, yeah. the, um, 34 maybe, I'm not oh, even yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, and, um, uh, and and uh, Leon, who's uh, come to the sport in the last 18 months with a great great deal of enthusiasm, who's paired up with the number one ranked guy mm-hmm. um, and um, who's uh, essentially his training partner, which is always something that's great to do if you want to get involved in sport, hang around with the best in the sport uh, that you can get close to, get proximity to and Certainly, um, uh, Leon's done that, and 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 not only that, but been prepared to test himself, um, you know, as uh, more than anybody else, and uh, and through all of that, um, well, I think he's had the the greatest rising rankings for for the last twelve months. Yeah, of anybody had the most, else, most super matches, fourteen super matches, for fourteen the year. Super, incredible. Yeah, absolutely. fourteen super matches, 14. And, and and kind of rose from being well outside of the top ten to to being right. But, Nearly six now, nearly yeah, and yeah. nearly in the top five. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so which is and and I think he'll continue going that way because, um, on the practice tables, he's you know there's there's you know a handful of people that you know can can really play with him for a long time. So, um, so I think great things will happen for for Leon Babs into twenty twenty two. I think Laz, um, Laz, I think Laz is an, uh, ten kilos away from being unbeatable, <laughs> um, potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so uh, that uh, it just is his his. Uh, his frame, his technique, and his uh, his natural strength. You know, um, it, it seems to me that every five kilos he puts on, he, he gets uh, disproportionately stronger than yeah. most people would if they put on a similar amount of weight. So yeah, that's right. Uh, he's he's got a big frame to fill out, yeah. and uh, you know, I think. Um, rarely do you find uh, arm wrestling athletes that are his age of his um, years of experience, mm. and then you you double that to a, to a frame that could. Definitely take another 15, 20 kilos very, very comfortably. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've got somebody there who's going to be very formidable in the, in the next 12 to 18 months as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and, and Matt Vinocchi, who, uh, uh, you know, he's uh, really carved out a reputation um, within the club as, as being quite the mentor and mm-hmm. uh, has been very free in, in sharing his little... Um, Little moves and little <laughs> techniques and things that he's dreamt up during the week that yeah. he's you know he tests on people and yep. little things he, he thinks that will help you beat someone else yep. and stuff like that is he's, he's full of these little tips and tricks and uh, uh, and and has hovered around you know that top three uh, for a while mm. and uh, so deservedly uh, that he it was very de- deservedly 
uh, he was in the in the octagon and, and enjoying that experience. And uh, because I, I feel he's given a lot to people across the practice table over the last twelve to eighteen months. And, yeah, and uh, and is also an exceptional arm wrestler and mm. and uh, and great to see him uh, in the ring. And not only that, but did that crucial thing. He turned up and he had a fantastic bout and the yeah. camera just happened to be on and yeah. tens of thousands of people saw it that led to a phone call that got everybody there yeah. on that night. That's so, right. So it was uh, well well done to, to to Matt and to Laz and congratulations to Laz for taking out the $500 prize. Yeah. Well done, mate. And uh, I think we'll, we'll see some more high-stakes arm wrestling. Yeah. Oh, maybe that high-stakes arm wrestling. Maybe that's a series. High-stakes arm wrestling. Did you just come up with I'm, I'm Trademark, a, yeah. Trademark. Oh. That what you're doing now? <laughs> 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 Um, and I've, I've kind of lost my little. Uh, my well, little we had uh, so it was arm wrestling. Uh, we had in Rich Warner, and I believe it was uh, the last one. We the did last one, was Isabella. Is there is the Isabella update because mm. um, Izzy for most of the last uh, most of the second half of this year has had her own things going yeah. on. So um, uh, Izzy uh, went off on a secret mission, um, <laughs> and um, we we weren't quite sure what, where she got. Oh, oh. oh. You're falling to pieces over there. <laughs> Have you lost your, your voice in your headphones? Yeah, I lost my voice in the headphones. Oh, I can still hear you. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. I can. It's probably uh, unplugged at some point. It's probably a, another end of that cable down there, which you might have stepped on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll pause it. Are we back? We're not back. Oh. oh. No. Yeah. Okay. No, it's the mic, maybe. Oh, no. Here we go. Okay. Can maybe you? it's back. Yep. You're okay now? I'm okay now. I think I'm okay now. <laughs> okay. okay. So uh, So we had, uh, there's a last bit where we'll be wrapping up. Okay. We're <laughs> just trying to wrap up. Yeah. Um, so we had, uh, so last episode of the year was, um, was uh, Izzy mm-hmm. and uh, Izzy, kind of became a guest at the end of the series yeah. after uh, starting off as one of our co-hosts. We, we still think of her as one of our co-hosts, but life's adventures have taken Izzy away from us. And in the second half of this year, she uh, went on a bit of a secret mission. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we knew she'd gone away, but we didn't know exactly what she was up to. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, she turned up on TV. Yeah. So, um, and then in New Zealand mm-hmm. and then in Sydney mm-hmm. and then in Queensland. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Izzy, star is rising which is amazing and um she's uh so she appeared on um sas sas australia Australia Week. week yeah and um uh she's uh she was featured on australian ninja before mm-hmm. on two two occasions mm-hmm. i believe and um, but uh, this year, so she was she was filming that all top secret stuff, and then uh, then she was off to New Zealand on a on a boxing camp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so uh, refining her skills and um, really taking boxing seriously, you know. So she, uh, it's it's really interesting, you know. She's gone from canoeing, um, which is her, her last sport of specialty, to to boxing, and you couldn't imagine too many sports that were much further apart. <laughs> but uh, 
um, she's uh, but nonetheless, you know, she's uh, she's taken that whole mindset of of an elite athlete and just applied it, and so she's gone and found the best people to train with, and she's definitely it's, it's not you know she's she she's up in her game there, and um, so. Izzy's had a huge little adventure of this year, and I'm sure you found out a little bit more in chatting with her um, in the last episode. Not, not a lot. No, really? <laughs> Didn't get to the bottom of any of it? Not really. No, no we, we talked a lot about um, what she'd been doing in terms of just, like, very recent stuff. You know? Yeah. So she, she had done, like, the day before the podcast episode, she'd done that 70-kilometre run. Yeah, incredible. I don't know why, but, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was bored, so many Ks. Yeah, no, it was, I think it was for an army charity event. Um, ah. So, but, yeah, it was, like... 13 hours or something she was out in the circle. Um, but yeah, doing it. And then there was uh, some mango farming and there was <laughs> <laughs> a lot of all these like interesting <laughs> things. But I, though I still have a blank area there where it was like, I've got I've got up to New Zealand boxing camp and then it's like a, a black cloud and then it's like mango farming and then it's like you're back here. But it was like there's six months of stuff there <laughs> that I didn't find out about. But I guess at some point we will find out. I, I do understand that uh, that when she got back to from uh, to Sydney mm-hmm. um, and she was forced to go into isolation mm-hmm. as an international traveller because they changed all the rules and so they, they, they put her into a Medi hotel and the Medi hotel overlooked her cousin's cafe. Oh. Uh, and so she could literally call out her orders oh, really? to her cousin and the cousin could just to send them upstairs ah. to it, so she yeah, cool. so it was nice. She was yeah, so that, of all the places to yeah. be holed up for a week or two, huh. yeah, yeah, what a coincidence. So, yeah, right. uh, uh, so good on Izzy. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, Izzy will be back at the table uh, next year. Yeah. Um, but uh, Izzy's got so much going on that we understand that uh, we'd be very lucky to catch her on a, on a regular basis. So uh, definitely, if you're a big fan of Izzy. Stay tuned. You might not see as much of it next year, so definitely uh, tune into those episodes that um, we're lucky enough to see Izzy on. And so, mate, that was a huge 2022. It was a huge, tw- uh, sorry, a huge 2021. Yeah. Um, 2022, I, I, I feel, is just going to be... Bigger again. Bigger um, and better. Bigger and better, you know. Well, uh, 200% double bicep. This is 24% stronger, <laughs> as Ryan right. Bowen would say. That's right. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, I, I, it, we've got. Um, uh, we've got some fantastic local talent that we're going to see over the microphone um, in the in the coming weeks. Um, we've also got some uh, interesting figures uh, that'll be returning. So uh, Tim uh, Tim Jardine will be back here sharing some <laughs> some more stories um, yeah. and uh, uh, some interesting tales with us. Uh, we'll um, uh, also hopefully have Carly back. Um, mm. uh, we've thrown out the invitation to Craig Ike. We'd love Craig to see Ike. him. Here. Yeah, so, let's get him uh, on. I know he it, needs it, to be on here. He needs to be one here. of the key elements. <laughs> All the stuff that we've been to do. <laughs> He's the man that's mentioned but seldom seen. That's right. He's so a shadowy uh, <laughs> figure in the background. <laughs> maybe that's the maybe that's the persona he's trying to create. <laughs> but when you think of it, it's just a shadow and that's smoke. Right. There in is, the back. Yeah. It's a question mark. <laughs> 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 um, so uh, so hopefully uh, we, we've got uh, Craig we've got um, uh, but, uh, the uh, the last remaining proponent of a uh, of a, a Kung Fu school of philosophy uh, who'll be uh, on the podcast as well Daniel wow. White so um, he'll be explaining to us the circle propeller method and cool. and uh, and his uh, and Master Kong who was behind that who also appeared in Bruce Lee movies awesome. uh, in the 1970s so some really cool stories um, from uh, those Bruce Lee days but mm. uh, also uh, Daniel's tales of, uh, of spending time in Southeast Asia and uh, and following 
uh, along the trail of Bruce Lee, but mm. uh, also uh, featuring in several uh, movies himself um, awesome. whilst he was uh, in that part of the world over the last 10 or so years. So uh, so we'll have Daniel here um, as, as well as... Um, more athletes from the events that are coming up all around Australia and so uh, uh, we're, uh, we're really looking forward to a huge year ahead and uh, and I think that um, we'll look forward to bringing you more of those in-depth interviews as well as some of those casual observations and reviews of uh, some of the big fights and some of the uh, and some of the major events of, uh, of 2022 and beyond. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, a fantastic year, huge opportunity, a big thank you from me to you and to, to everyone else that's been involved in the podcast, getting everything uh, up and running and just, you know, massive opportunity, as I said before, <laughs> and really appreciate it. So thanks again. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And, and thank you, Matt. Um, thanks, Izzy, uh, for being here around the table. Thanks, uh, Rory, from pod, uh, from the pod booth, who uh, got us all started in that in that beautiful studio. Mm-hmm. So big shout out to, to Rory, to Roman, that's been uh, helping behind the tables matt um has been spending hours and 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 hours editing and uh and putting together a lot of visual content that you see um attaching thumbnails and taking care of all of the uploading and all the back end of things to to make us look super professional and and also you know distributing those videos and and uh that's how a lot of these videos get tens of thousands of views so well done matt and great effort and just uh um it's been an absolute pleasure to be here thank you to um, all of those people that have appeared all of our guests uh, for this year as well um, we look forward to having you back around the microphones in our new studio I think we've got a, a few little uh, things to do one we've got to get the lights sorted <laughs> out uh, but uh, two um, uh, we'll, we'll come back bigger better brighter and uh, um, and uh, for you guys in 2022 so thank you for tuning in and for listening and watching uh, whatever the podcast provider of choice that you you love the most well uh, please uh, subscribe download uh, if you haven't already if you've been watching the videos on youtube and you haven't subscribed please do that that helps us enormously as well head over to our facebook page so you can catch live events um, as we post them and uh, also um, you know I, I finally uh, thank you to the guys here at moonshots who uh, have accommodated us and uh, given us a great deal of support over the last uh, 12 or so months and uh, uh, we look forward to doing a whole lot more here in the, the new home of the daily podcast uh, daily combat podcast uh, in 2022 so thanks guys thanks see you. you next year you've been listening to the daily combat podcast special thanks also go out to our main sponsor real estate agents group this company is growing to become one of south australia's largest independent real estate groups with their board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience real is for real people by real people check them out on facebook under real estate agents group or visit their website urban and rural sales.com.au the daily combat podcast is proudly brought to you by dave stockbridge isabella rossitano and hollywood matt Connolly. make sure to give us a five-star review as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in australia and around the world You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast. 
Thank you again for listening from all of us here at the Daily Combat Podcast team.